All right. Brian Helsel, we're rolling. How are you, my man? I'm doing uh I'm doing great. Good. Yeah. You're looking good as always. Thank you. Yeah, you're always in shape. What does he do? What you have I know we're, we'll get into it because I know you have like some secret what am I looking for? Regima. That's not right. Uh, the, the, yes, the, yeah. food, the food regimen. Food it's, it's... regimen. Thank you. Um, and I don't know, but we're going to get into that because your little Instagram thing is, I don't know if it's supposed to be funny, but I find it so entertaining. But <laughs> we, I, I don't know how many hours we have. But, we have uh... normally, you know, whatever. So whenever we're done. Okay. Um, but let's talk about, so Brian Housel, owner of uh, Phoenix International, um, which I've talked to you many times. I've known you for 20 years, kind of. Like going back to high school, but it didn't really, different crowds, you're a couple couple years ahead and yeah. didn't really know you, but then probably started to get to know you. Boy, kids were playing soccer. Yes. So going. 2015, I think, because we, we, uh, we moved back from New York. Uh, okay. We moved to New York in 2011. And I think before that, I remember seeing you at the uh, at, at preschool. I remember you, oh, you, yes. you and yes. Liz were walking That's Kellen right. into preschool, and I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I know Liz, and I know I know I know you." Of course, what a shame that we we weren't friends right. in high school because I think we'd have been would have been good friends. We'd have been the best yeah. of friends. We'd yeah. have had a lot of great times. Oh together, yeah, it would have been fun. A little wild. Yeah, yeah. But it was a little bit like dazed and confused. You know, we were hanging out with different crowds, and yes, you know. dazed and confused. That that movie really summarizes most of the 90s kind of high school you know i know i mean that was in the 70s the movie but a lot of parallels yeah between i think the early 90s was kind of a spillover from the 70s and 80s absolutely yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a crazy time um but your business phoenix international okay I have my own ideas of what you do because we've talked about this before, but I don't know that I have my head fully wrapped around. I know you, you trade, simply put, you trade metals. Yes, yes. So to to give the, the oversimplified version um, would be that we are buying metals from mines around the world. Could be cobalt in the Congo or uh, tin in Bolivia or Peru, um, copper from uh, Russia or Canada. And we're buying from the mines. We're providing financing, logistics, marketing, credit insurance services. Um, we take physical possession of the material, and that is to say we take it into a, a public warehouse that we lease rent space. Um, we ship it on an ocean container that we that we rent as well, rent space on there. Um, and we use the London Metals Exchange, which is a um, – Gosh, I should know how old it is. I think it's around 200 years old. Right. Um, futures exchange, which is a deliverable exchange, but most of the contracts are settled by by paper transactions. And we'll hedge our position, uh, and then we'll sell to different manufacturers around the around the world, mainly in the United States. Uh, could be the aerospace industry for making parts for airplanes, the petrochemical industry to make catalysts. Um, cobalt goes into cracking crude oil. Um, Cobalt's big in batteries. Right? Huge in batteries. Yeah. 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 It's an essential. Lithium and cobalt are really the two main, I mean, I know there's more than that, but those are the two main um, components. That, that, that's that's correct. And that's actually what they've done because cobalt is uh, is a smaller market in terms of, of mining capabilities out there. It's about, about 200,000 metric tons a year, and nickel is about 2.5 million 
uh, metric tons per year. And so um, nickel can be substituted for cobalt in a lot of cases. So the ratio oh, has gone oh, really? from, yeah, the ratio has gone from 232 cobalt nickel manganese to 811, eight nickel, one, one That's cobalt. That's a big difference. You, huge yeah. difference. And uh, a lot of it's price driven. The nickel price is historically lower than the cobalt price. Um, but also just the concern about availability. If this thing really takes off and everybody's driving electric cars, exactly. Yeah. Are you going to have enough supply to, to do that? The electric car thing is pretty interesting to me. I mean, I'm sure it's great. I, it, does that affect your business much? I mean, do you have, you know, it, as obviously every manufacturer now is getting into the electric car business, really following Tesla for the most part, I would, yeah. I would say. I mean, you started with the Prius and the hybrids and moved to, you know, fully electric and I think Tesla was probably the first uh, real case study of, of success there. Um, but now, I mean, everywhere I look, I mean, Jeep has a, I think it's, I don't think it's all electric, but Wrangler, you go, well, don't get stuck out there. Right, yeah. Nowhere without a charging station. But does that have any kind of direct effect on your business or not not per se? It doesn't really matter to you. Uh, it, it, it definitely has on the markets we trade, ne- yeah. not necessarily our business directly um but but all the markets that we're servicing and trading in you know cobalt nickel even tin actually tin's a big metal for us and it actually is also used um in the battery industry um and some metals of course have secondary roles in the battery industry they're not directly in the battery but they're 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 associated in the whole supply chain so right um yeah once the european union and the chinese um chinese government and followed by the u.s all kind of like went in on this about five years ago that this is you know, they're going to support the electric vehicle industry. You saw everybody, as you said, follow Tesla one by one. And yeah. uh, I don't know I don't know that there's any automakers that aren't or don't have plans to get into this space because, you know, it'd be sort of like owning a uh, video rental, cassette rental store in the 80s. And if you're not, if you're not moving to DVDs, DVDs and, yeah. then, and then if you don't get into, you know, online, know, on, on demand or whatever yeah. people, yeah, right, you're going to get mean, vaporized. Yep. Best Buy, right? Right. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm, okay. And you, maybe you know about some things about this that I don't know, and maybe not, because it's not. But we're talking about batteries. And the government's getting, I, I think the story is from an EPA standpoint, environmental standpoint, to say, okay, global warming, obviously we, you know, the, we, we need to cut emissions. So we're going to go all electric. I, I think, I mean, that's a story that I hear. I don't know if that's 100% accurate from why everybody's now getting into it. I know a lot of people are saying that story, but and that's fine. And you say, okay, I, I see that progress, and that makes it makes some sense. I mean, if we can lower carbon emissions from our vehicles, it makes worst case scenario say it doesn't have any effect on global warming. I, I don't know what the science seems to say that it does, but at least it clean up our air. I mean, we saw that during coronavirus when nobody was driving, you know, and they're doing, you know, in LA, they're, they're doing the, the tests on air quality and they're going, holy cow. Like, you know, I don't, when I would drive from San Diego, when I lived in San Diego up to LA, I never really, LA as a city was very cool, but you drive up and there's like a dome of smog you could see as you're driving into LA and you're going, oh my God, this is so bad. Yeah. Even from breathing in all those toxins. Um, but now we're moving to, obviously, we're moving to electric. Mm-hmm. And, but I feel like we're, so I was doing some research on car batteries. And I had started this back in the Prius days, when Prius first came out. And I thought, well, this is interesting. Well, and I thought, well, 
what are we going to do with these batteries? What happens to the batteries? And back, and I don't know where it is now, but back in those days, they were saying that 1%, that you can't really recycle these batteries, and that 1% of it become leaches into the ground, you know, whatever that makeup of the acids and all that, leaches in the ground to cause ground pollution. So you can then expound that into a grand scale and say, well, this could really be a problem. Then like cobalt mining and lithium mining and the, what it takes to actually mine these metals, it's an incredible amount of resources to mine these metals and then the runoffs and all this toxicity that they talk about from the runoffs. You're going, are we just trading one you know, environmental uh, devastation for another environment? Because our, you know, we need to breathe, but we also need clean water. You know, without those two things, it seems like, okay, our, we're cleaning up one, but we're making one potentially a lot worse. But I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if you ever go down those roads at all. I mean, I have, I have so much to think about on a daily basis in terms of running the trading book amongst, you know, other, other, uh, things that, that, that I don't necessarily go that far deep into, but I, but I have thought about that because, you know, when we were working closely with a, uh, Canadian producer. We had an agency as the distributor for a company called uh, Embatavi, which is located in Madagascar. Um, there was a lot of talk about this, and you know, you still need electricity to to power the batteries. And you make excellent points. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can see where there's going to be trade offs. There's also always going to be unintended consequences of when we look <laughs> back and say, "Geez, like, you yeah, know, wasn't we, a great idea." Yeah, we have that. But you know, we were talking a little bit off air when I when I came in came into your office earlier about the whole ro- robotics industry and Amazon and the new robots that are coming out and drones and the possibility that drones will be fighting drones and people and it's going to look like the Terminator and the Mad Max movie in the future. Um, I, you know, To make all these robots, you're going to need a lot of resources. You're going to have a lot of trade-offs where you're, where you're doing a lot of things that are, could be harmful to the environment. So I don't think there's any one perfect solution out there. Um, and, and I think it does need to be looked at. I've always kind of looked at the genesis to me of the electric uh, car um, is more so that, that there's a finite supply of oil out there. Yeah. And, and that we're going to have, you know, and just, just look what's happened this week. So this is, a, this is an interesting segue. So a lot of the metals we trade, copper, nickel, tin, let's just, let's just take those. Tin, tin's at a, at a historic high. It's one of the few metals in my 25-year trading career that's we've seen we've seen tightness we've seen short supply we've seen high prices high premiums I always say if you want to look at a metal and understand its fundamental um, tightness or, or weakness look at the premiums or the discounts don't look at the outright price on the exchange because funds could be driving that up and down sure right but if you look at the premium someone's willing to pay for you that tells you the story and tin premiums are just they were outrageous there was actually a 90-day period where a lot of manufacturers had to stop production they could not get enough tin we were looking at air freighting tin where we could find it, and that still wouldn't, you know, we couldn't supply everybody that wanted to buy tin from us. We were saying no to a lot of people, just trying to take care of our best customers. Um, so tin prices at absolute historic highs, it's legitimately fundamentally tight. This is not just funds driving it. This is not just the story that we think it's going to get really, really tight. It actually was tight. We had manufacturers that actually shut down, curtailed uh, their production because they couldn't get the material. So... There's just not enough. What's so tin is, and I don't even know. Is tin a ore? I mean, or it's a isn't tin a, a combination it, of 
Different ores to make tin. So, 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 so tin. You you have tin ore. Whenever somebody tells you that they found a gold mine or a copper mine or a nickel mine, usually that means there's about one and a half percent of that element in the dirt. Um, there's also going to be anything on the periodic table, table from A to Z in okay. that dirt as well. But but if you have one and a half percent of something, now in some cases you'll get things that are high as three or four percent. Um, in rare cases, you'll get things like, for example, cobalt. There's a there's a there's an ore called heterogenite, which is literally in the Congo. You have artisanal mining, which you don't have to go deep in the surface. You literally have people with shovels that are picking off these rocks, and it's you know it's eight nine percent cobalt contained. But in most cases, when you see a mining operation where you see people digging deep for gold or copper or silk, they're going deep into the ground and they're finding dirt that's got one and a half percent of that. And then you, by by the refining process, you just keep going. You just keep getting rid of other metals, right? Until you're left with just that metal, or ninety nine percent of that metal. Okay, so it's the old pure. tin, you know, going to a riverbed and fishing for gold and filtering it through and filter. Obviously, it's a much more complex, but yes, it's pretty much just that times a, a million. Uh, um, so you're trying to filter out that that ore now tin, but tin itself. So is there, do we just not have enough tin, or is there just too much demand for some reason? Is there something going on that we need more tin than we have in the past? Well, to, to look at the whole the whole picture in the story, you have to always go back about 10 years. So mm-hmm. you go back to the pre-subprime crisis, 05, 06, 07. You had a huge run-up in commodities. For example, tin had been trading around $4,000 a ton or $2 a pound for a large part earlier in my career. Shot up as high, I think, as thirty-five thousand dollars a metric ton. Premiums premiums are about a dollar a pound, two thousand dollars a ton for about a year, year and a half. Nickel prices, which were anywhere from two dollars to four dollars a pound, five to ten thousand a ton, fifty thousand dollars a ton, twenty-five dollars a pound. Wow. Um, copper prices went from you know seventy-five, eighty cents to five dollars a pound. So this huge run up. And then you have the subprime crisis, right? Which was all based on the mortgage-backed securities, sure. which you're, I'm of sure course. you're very familiar with that. Yeah. It took everything down. Took the took the whole the whole world down. Thought you know, I remember driving home from work and listening to infomercials about take your money out of the bank and you know, are we going to even have a financial system? Which banks are going to we going to bail out? Mm-hmm. Um, so commodity prices just absolutely evaporated and. What you had then falling out from there was a lot of projects came on stream, which you don't just turn on tin and nickel and cobalt mines. It takes five to seven years for a greenfield site. Even brownfield sites can take almost that much time. So you have a huge period of time where you have underinvestment. Greenfield, brownfield, I don't So greenfield would be, we've, we've found this deposit, we've surveyed it, we've, we've reached financing, we've got permitting rights. We're going to build roads and infrastructure. We're going to build the plant from ground level. We're gotcha. going to build a there. Brownfield meaning something was already in place. Like they're actually looking at copper mines. I just talked to a guy in Canada yesterday that there's a copper mine that hadn't produced since 1911. But at really? these prices and the forecast going forward, they're Let's now looking start it up at, again. They're going to start it back up. Uh, okay, so that's, that's a, a brownfield. Brown yeah, there's some still some infrastructure. There's still some old residual mining. Probably none of the equipment they're going to use, but there was something there in place. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, yeah. so, so, the, 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 so you have the lack of investment for a period of time after that, because you had overinvestment that, that once that happens, like for example, this company we worked with in Madagascar and Batavi, even though the price, by the time they came into production, they commissioned it in 2007, came into production in 2012, the markets had collapsed. It was at below their cost of production. Wow. But for the first three to four years they operated it, but you have to operate it because you've got six, $7 billion of debt, all these banks you owe money to, you've got this giant, you know, 
operation you built, you have to run the widgets through. So you're now oversupplying an oversupplied market. You're adding to that, but you have to because you, you need even to if it's negative cash flow, you need cash flow back yeah. to pay to bear that. So you have this period of time where you've got underinvestment. No one's going to invest and look for new mines. And tin, you've got the large the large producers are in Indonesia, then you've got Malaysia, you've got a little bit in Russia, a fair bit in South America. So it's kind of fragmented, and nobody it's it's not like. You know, if you look at Pittsburgh and look at grocery chains, everybody can kind of figure out where where you put the next giant eagle, and let's let's you know it doesn't work that way in the commodity market. People just kind of will produce usually produce more than 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 markets need. Um, so so you have this period where you have no investment in mining, and then you have demand coming pretty strong. So what what makes up the difference? Well, you've got global stocks. You've got stocks on the London Metals Exchange. You've got stocks that gov you know the, the governments will hold that they'll buy, um, for various different reasons. The, the United States has the DLA defense stockpile um, that holds strategic materials, and, and they'll sell that back in the market. So there's some things that make up, but once that gets made up, and then you run short, there's no way to just turn it on. And tin, tin is kind of. There, if we're looking at what's going to change this high price environment we're in right now. Uh, and then you have to look at one more factor. You have to look at the dollar because everything's traded in dollars globally. So if the dollar is strong, that's bet, that's low. That means lower commodity prices, right? Because because if you're trading yep. in a third world country, you're 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 getting a premium for that. Yep. If the dollar is if the dollar's weak, that that usually leads to higher higher prices because now the cost of production has gone up for. Um, you know, for all those producers. So <clears throat> the dollar w was weakening. Um, and then you had this whole, I mean, the pan, I would have thought when the pandemic hit, okay, this is going to be like the subprime crisis. That's what I was going to ask. And it was the opposite. I mean, it was, no, first of all, no manufacturing stopped. None of my customers stopped. They were all, everybody was considered a critical supplier. Um, and this whole supply chain just got so, so out of whack. And, and also here's the other factor. And we look at we have we can look at the stock market as a great example. May twenty third, two thousand twenty. That day's lives. That's the Dow hit seventeen thousand five eighty one or whatever. Mm -hmm. Don't quote me to the exact. Right. Could we have thought on that day that we'd still have this level of unemployment? And the unemployment numbers don't mean a thing to me because there's so many people that are not looking for jobs, and companies are competing with government giving out checks to people for to hire people. I mean, you try to try to get into a McDonald's right now. You see the signs $500 to hire somebody. I mean, everywhere I look, I mean, there's billboards, you know, $5,000 bonus just to get somebody in the door. I was talking to uh, a um a uh, car garage, right? And they, you know, they do a couple of things. They own a gas station and they have a car repair garage and sell some cars on the side, whatever. I'm like I can't get anybody to run the gas station. People come in, or, or just a basic mechanic, like not a mechanic, not somebody that knows how to work on a car, somebody that came out of like Pep Boys, right? Yeah, right, right. Knows how to turn a wrench or knows what a wrench is. They won't even not walk me. in the door. No, me neither. <laughs> they won't even walk in the door, he was telling me, for less than 35 bucks. Not even just come in for an interview. He's like, they're not, we can't hire them. They won't take 35 bucks, but that's their starting to just walk in the door for an hour. 35 bucks an hour for somebody who has no skill. And he's like, we we can't. I don't know what to do, because there's a point where you just can't afford to pay somebody that. I mean, I think it's a lot of people go, well, just pay your employees more. I'm not talking about the minimum wage, right? Because I do think that the minimum wage is a bit out of whack. Um, you know, I was reading something earlier today, and somebody was talking about trying to buy, trying to make a 
pudding and they wanted to make a vanilla pudding, right? And she makes minimum wage, which is like, I don't know what minimum wage is, seven something an hour? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exactly I don't sure. Even, I don't even know. But it's not much. But a box of vanilla wafers is like $4. And her point was like, could you imagine going to work for a whole hour and somebody being like, here's two here's two boxes of vanilla wafers, right? Yes, like, yeah. Uh, no, my time's worth more than that. And people's time is worth more than that. But 35 bucks an hour for an unskilled position may be a little bit much. But these companies, you know, they're desperate because they, you start a company and you start it on your own. You grow, hopefully. They have a number of employees, you know, and you have this working well. And then all of a sudden, the government's coming in and going, oh, yeah, by the way, we're just going to pay you more money. And the employers are going, well, I don't have to go to work and I can make more money. Sure. I can't blame people. Sure. Right? Yeah. But it's crazy. No, it's, 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 and yeah. And that's that whole subject I was going to get at was, was the, the printing of money and, and, yeah has just been, you know, for the stock market to just keep making new highs. Mm -hmm. And you look at it and you say, wait, I remember when P's mattered and, and valuations mattered. And it's just, and you know the next bubble's coming too, right? Because it just, it, it has that feel to it. Like, boy, if I don't just stay in it or I buy more, I'm, I'm going to miss this next opportunity. But there's just so much money out there. And, and there's trillions of dollars still on the sidelines. So it's it, you think, how far can it actually fall? Man, um, you're going right into my wheelhouse, and I want to say so many things, but I'm not allowed to say anything <laughs> on this show. All right, so, so we'll, could, yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll come up. Just so it. people know why. I, you know, I think I'm allowed to say this. I think. So I'm in an industry that is highly regulated. And we have compliance, right? And we can only talk, you know, so if I talk to somebody, something could be construed that I'm giving advice to somebody. I'm not giving any advice. So my, because the regulations seem so gray, well, you know, you would hope that regulations would be black and white, but I don't think there, I think regulations are written to be gray for a lot of reasons that are nefarious at best. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, so I never know what I'm allowed to say. So when it comes to certain topics, I just go, I'm not talking about it on this show. If I start a show on those topics, then I can talk about it. But, uh, you know, but you're talking, I'm going, oh, I want to say so many I, things, man. And but, I'm not going to be any I, help of to be refereeing you because I'm an entrepreneur and I'm used to just, you know, <laughs> doing what you want. I, I yeah. get it. Yeah. So yeah. I apologize. Um, but keep going. I think you're allowed to talk about whatever you want to. Okay. Well, th well I'll just, I'll just finish on the tin. So, yeah. so. So you have this huge gap now where we've we've outstripped what the supplies are, and there's really nothing that we can just turn on. There's nowhere we can, we're nowhere we look around the map and say, "Oh, it's going to come from Myanmar." Or it's going, or we're going to, they're going to have more offshore dredging and go deeper into the ocean to get tin in Indonesia. I think what's going to happen is you're going to have something on the demand side that's going to have to bring this down, or you're going to have some huge world event that affects demand. Um, could be anything. Could be some crisis that happens that we can't can't see on the radar, or or. Um, so that inter that's interesting because, y you know, if you go down a conspiracy theorist path, you could easily say, well, as you're not saying you're not. I'm not trying to say you're a conspiracy theorist by any means, but something global happens to bring because I have I have to assume I don't know much about metals, but tin has to be used in everywhere from inf infrastructures to i mean all over the world i would assume and if you need tin and you can't get it 
well, what if you caused some kind of not global catastrophe, but you manipulated that situation to? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's 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 keep going down the path. I'll stay ambiguous, but I'll lay a few things out there. Okay. For example, because it, it, you just segued perfectly into what I was about to, oh, to say, which is, I talked to a couple consumers, we, we call consumers, a manufacturer that buys tin and makes a product out of it. So, you know, so we have producers, the people that mine it and smelt it and make tin bars, tin ingots. We're the trade. We, you know, we provide the liquidity in the market where we don't make any products, we don't mine anything, and then we sell it to a manufacturer that, um, you know, uh, for example, like, you know, a stainless steel company that, that I'm going to switch to nickel because that's a stainless steel company. Everybody knows about stainless steel buys the nickel from us and makes 316 or uh, stainless sheets. So, but back to the tin story. Talking to a manufacturer who said, who had been very uh, concerned for months about getting enough tin supply, said, all of a sudden, I'm pretty good on my inventory. So, oh, geez, what, what's happened? Well, because of these power shortages in Europe and China, right? You see they're rationing, I don't know if you've, you've oh. heard read that they're rationing power uh-huh. now because of power shortages product alloys and chem- chemicals that are made can't be made because you can if you're running a plant and you were running at 100% or 90% now you got to run at 60 or 70% because that's all the power you're allocated so now even though you've got all this demand for tin you can only make so much because of the power situation so that's now pushing back and lowering demand a little bit so it it i i felt like oh. on this run up that it was going to be something that was sort of outside of the typical supply demand that that could be what brings the price down because it wasn't going to be that all of a sudden no there's a new tin deposit and they're going to put it under the market or right it's it's demand something external has to occur exactly but those forces can be what we saw in 2007 for instance before the absolute collapse we saw nickel start to crack i'll switch over to nickel stainless steel manufacturers were calling our company and saying, can we sell nickel back to you? No one's buying refrigerators and grills and all the products that stainless steel go into at these prices and, and the market's just, because people actually produce more as the price is going up to get ahead of the surcharges. So there was overproduction on the manufacturing side and prices when you walked into Home Depot were like, wow, I'm going to pay that much for a stainless steel grill because nickel prices have quadrupled. So it hit the it hit the shelf and then you had the subprime prices. But the physical market, I'd already start to see demand destruction. And we saw this in tin in 2007. People that make copper wires that are coated with tin said, we're not going to use as much tin anymore. And they, and even when prices collapsed, they never went back to it because it's cheaper to now not to use it. My point is, that's an actual in-the-market situation where the price, that we call that demand destruction because of high prices. Right. This isn't, this, as you said, is correctly, is an external force where they want to keep making the products. They still got the homes for it. But because of the power situations, and, and, and it's it's going to be fascinating. But I, I I felt like, and I feel the same way. Not to go back to the stock market, there's going to be something that's not related to the actual companies in the stock market that causes that party to go. Yeah, I want to say something. But I can. <laughs> um, so, yo man, it's so ripe right there. But okay, well, let's move on because I can't dwell on that. Um, because I have my own thoughts about that, of course. Uh, so you got me off track because I really, <laughs> I really want to dig in there. Um, oh, it's such a bummer because there's a lot of good things that I, we could talk about. Um, but let's go. 
earlier on in the conversation, you were talking to so your business. We're talking about logistics. Yes. And we, I talked about you with a, a little bit in the past. And so you're, so you all, obviously you're looking at pricing most of the, I mean, most of your business is pricing, right? I mean, yes. it's, it's supply demand and, and where's it? But from a logistics standpoint, are you like, you said you have physical metals or physical supply in warehouses somewhere, mm-hmm. wherever that is. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Chicago. Chicago. Okay. Yeah. And so you need to take, and so somebody, let's say in California, I don't know if mm-hmm. they buy some, you have some in Chicago. Or you were talking about freighting, even uh, for ships. So lower, yes. So let's go on a bigger scale. If you are you selling to like your from your from your warehouse, where's like the farthest it's going to go from one of your warehouses? So so we're buying like this past summer we bought a lot of tin out of Indonesia. And okay. So there's no direct route. So just think of you know if you're flying from Pittsburgh because these days we're not a hub. You got to right. You got to go to Charlotte or Philadelphia or. Um, or wherever, and there, you can't take a ship directly from Indonesia, or there's limited capacity. So it had to go to Singapore. So we'd go to Singapore, and then instead of getting right on a ship, we might be waiting a week. We could be waiting five weeks to get onto the next ship. Um, we got bumped off, you know, and we are just like, you know, literally in the same boat, no pun intended, or in pun intended, as everybody else waiting for our boat. And no matter what, and prices went from $2,000 a container, which they had been for roughly for about 15 years, to twenty five thousand to get on to get into these containers what? to come to Baltimore, the sailing time, which is normally about forty forty five days, could be ninety or hundred because you'd be waiting for it to come in, and it was supposed to come in the next day, and you'd find out, oh, that ship actually went to Korea first, or a transship. We had stuff coming from South America um, that got stuck. You know, we got stuck with the whole Suez Canal and. Oh um, God! Canal. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh no! Oh, yeah. So we've had all the stories, all the heartbreak. And pretty much everybody in our industry is all getting the tin from the same places. So we're all, we are all sitting in the same boats, literally. And so there was a large gap there where the United States manufacturing just couldn't get the material. So I would imagine it's got to go through. I don't know if it's like uh, one of our companies does a like promotional marketing and we'll get stuff from China and it'll come over. And it gets stuck in customs sometimes. And there's, it's out of your control. You're like, okay, it's leaving China. It's on. And you're telling your client, you're going, okay, it's going to be here. And you have an event over here. And yes, it's going to be here on time. And then it gets here. And then it's, they're like, nope, you don't get it. Because we've, and it's stuck for another month. And you, of course, your client's mad because they're like, going, oh, well, I need my stuff. And you're like, I can't. I can't do anything. I mean, do you guys have to go through that same custom standpoint? And absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then when then it comes in, and if the, you know, I haven't seen pictures, but it destroys the amount of ships that get stuck in the harbor, and then and you can imagine these warehouses because it has to go from the ship to a warehouse, which is about a mile mile down the road, and then there's a long line of inland trucks because everybody's been waiting for those to come in. Normally, stuff would sit in the warehouse for a little bit, right? Now the warehouses have kind of had to change their business model because nothing stays in warehouses as long as it just comes just in come and everybody in, going out and is going out. Yeah, yeah. And they're understaffed, by the way. I mean, the warehouses we use, um, which normally would have twenty-five or thirty-man crew, they have five people because they can't get people to work because they're competing with unemployment. So it's everywhere, right? Trucker, inland trucks prices, yeah. freight price. Obviously, with oil, with gas prices up a little bit, but it's really just because they're paying more. For people to uh, to drive yeah. the truck, which I, which is fair. It's a tough living. It's a tough way to make a living. So yeah. I, I understand 
people making more money, but we just all have to be prepared for this inflationary environment because it's, it's I don't see it. I don't see it as transitory. No, I don't see it either. I mean, it's, you know, search at home, you just look at groceries. I mean, that's where I was looking, going, oh, okay. And I know, you know, we don't always count groceries uh, in the CPI, you know, but you go, well, how the heck can you go to the grocery store and spend $120 and have like a basket of food? You know, I mean, people, I don't think most people can really afford that without help, you know, and especially Giant Eagle or one of these places. Aldi's is like the best find. I, I don't know if you ever go to Aldi's. I tell people about Aldi's. They're like, oh, that, that's the peasants go to Aldi's. I'm like, right. Aldi's is great, man. I, I, the first time I went to Aldi's, I went through and I argued with the guy because I had like a full uh, cart full of food. I got to the end and he goes, $35. And I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, sorry. You, obviously, we missed something here. There's no way it's $35 because it would have been like $150 a giant eagle. And I'm going... And he's like, no, it's $35, you moron. Like, <laughs> okay, if you say so, I'll just pay and go. I'm not, I won't argue with you about my thing. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, inflation is, is scary. And, I feel, you know, I've been paying attention to, obviously, um, unemployment rates because it's affecting everything. And as, you know, you need – but it's interesting to me because you've been having so many people talk about, you know, minimum wage. And there's a debate about minimum wage. And, you know, if you're working a minimum wage job, well, you should be able to make a living. Like, what does that mean? And people use, like, uh, two-bedroom apartment. I'm going, that seems like a lot, right? I mean, for minimum wage. I mean, and then I think about my son, who's 14. Like, he works, you know, over the summer and stuff. He deserves a minimum wage, you know. Mm -hmm. He shouldn't make $20 an hour. He deserves, uh, let's call it 10, you know. Sure. That, you know, so where, you know, sh- should we be looking at minimum wage and saying, yes, we should increase minimum wage, but should, should we be pushing some pressure on companies to be like, okay, there's minimum wage, but then there's like a fair salary for your employees. And I think we're somewhere outside of both of those realms where you can say, okay, minimum wage, I'm just throwing out numbers. I haven't done the math, but people are putting $15 an hour. I don't know. Let's say it's 10 or 12. Um but that doesn't mean the company should just, you know, uh, exploit people just to say, okay, this is the minimum. Exploit a 14-year-old kid. You're not exploiting him, right? It's his first job. He deserves the minimum wage. He has no skill. He's there to flip a burger, make some bucks, and, you know, do that. But if you've got a 25-year-old that's coming in that's trying to, you know, better themselves, and maybe they want to become management, and maybe they want to learn this business, maybe they, you know, should they be charged you know, should you pay them $12 an hour and say, no, their time is worth 15 or their time is worth 18 or whatever that is. Um, that's something I think we're starting to really get away from. I've talked about in pre- previous shows, something that I think about a lot, which is social responsibility, right? We have, a, I have a responsibility to you, Brian, to be as, as healthy as I can be. There's things outside of my you know, realm and I'm not saying everybody should be healthy all the time. But as a society, we should feel like, I feel like we missed, we lost some kind of um, some responsibility to each other to say mm-hmm. as a whole society, we should come together and say, you know, yeah, you know, getting outside and exercising is an important thing. Working hard is an important thing. But sleeping, you know, doing good things for yourself, like sleeping eight hours a day is very important for you as well. 
eight hours a day. My gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to get to six. Right? Really? Yeah. But it's interesting because we've been taught, at least as a kid, what I remember being taught about business it was the early bird gets the worm. Mm-hmm. You know, the less mm-hmm. you sleep, the more you can work. Right. Right. Uh, you sacrifice everything to make a dollar was kind of the, the message. And I think that's a really terrible message. You know, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, and you take good care of yourself, right? I, you know, I know you eat really well. Um, you exercise, at least I think you exercise. It, it, it's interesting you say that. I, I, I exercised a lot more before I started this, this diet. I'll actually call it more of a lifestyle. About 15 years ago was the, the genesis of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because I, I work out substantially less, probably because of just lack of time right now with the, with, with, uh, you know, three, the age of my three sons are yep. and, and the business and just the way life's configured right now. Um, it's really, it's really the diet. Yeah. Diet, diet's it. huge. Yeah. And I wish, I mean, so what you may not know, Brian has, is it just Instagram? With uh, it's just Instagram right yeah, now. Yeah, Superman Foods. Did I have that right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you did a little short couple minutes, and it's, I, and I don't know how to say this, because I don't know if you mean them to be like, enter, I mean, kind of entertaining and funny, but you walked into a dude the other, it was like maybe a week or two ago, and this dude's talking about eating 190 milligrams of melatonin a day. And I'm yes. like, holy, I mean, I listen, I hadn't slept well for a long time and I tried all kinds of things. I had like Xanax, right? I tried like sleeping like z right? I just wanted to sleep a good night's sleep and none of that stuff. Oh, no, I slept fine. Um, but the next day it's like I drank like six bottles of gin, right? I couldn't yeah. function. Um, so I got rid of all that and then I started t- taking melatonin to sleep. And for me, it's like, it's, I know I've talked to my, my friend who's a uh, sleep scientist, um, and he's like, well, we don't have a lot of data on melatonin and how it f- affects your pineal gland and all this long term, but, mm-hmm. um, but for, the, for now, man, I sleep like a baby. I, I love it. Um, how many kilograms are you on right now? It's like two or I think two. <laughs> okay, well, that's, well, that's right. the normal. The, 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 yeah. When I say normal, that's, I, 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 I don't to, like to use Two the word to five, normal. like that realm. I, I, I have to look at it because I know, no, I, I bought one and I think it's two, I think maybe it's two and a half. And then I bought another one and I wasn't really paying attention and it's five milligrams. And that one I don't like so much. Like I've taken a couple because uh, I ran out of the other one and I took one of these and they're like called natural, I think, nat- natural, I don't know, the name of the company. Um, and it's five milligrams, and I felt groggy the next day on it. Okay. Um, but this dude's talking about like 190 or 180 milligrams of melatonin a day, and I'm going, I, I maybe there's some reverse effect, like if you overdose on melatonin. I, I know, you know, and that's the traditional two and a half to five is the traditional dosage right. that's, that's out there. I always thought 10 was really pushing it, and that's kind of where I'm at right oh, now. Oh, you're 10? Is, okay. Is the 10. But he claimed that, and I haven't done a ton of re- follow-up research on this other than, so when I research whether it's a food or a supplement, and I, and I like to keep things mostly foods and natural, organic, yeah. whole-based um, supplements is, is sort of like the, the last thing that I'll, that I'll use, like a fish oil. Okay. Um, and, I, and I have no problem with the melatonin. I do take a magnesium supplement, even though I go out of my way to eat foods that are high in magnesium. 
Magnesium is something that we're, our bodies don't store and we're chronically deficient in it because it's been stripped out of most of the food supply. So unless you're eating a lot of cruciferous, dark leafy green vegetables, um, a lot of cacao, a lot of nut butters, avocados, you're not going to get a lot of magnesium from right. your, your natural uh, Potassium is another diet. one too. Potassium, potassium is so important. And yeah. we're, most of us are very f- deficient in potassium because we're not eating. I mean, what, uh, in the research that I read, it said, okay, if you're eating like eight to 10 servings of fresh fruits and vegetables a day, you're likely getting your potassium intake. Right. And people go, I ate a banana. And like a banana has potassium, but it's certainly not the most potassium-rich food out there. Um, and I, I do from time to time take a potassium supplement because I don't eat that much. You know, I eat, I have a shake in the afternoon. I don't eat breakfast. And I eat dinner. And if I really get hungry, I'll have something to snack on. Now, that's every day except for Friday and Saturday because I'm a total glutton of just pure, unadulterated, disgusting burgers, fries, beer, cheesesteaks. Those are my like, you know, people have like a cheat meal when they work out, you know, no. I got a cheap weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I, I understand that. I mean, I, I, I grew up. You know, I grew up in the '80s, and I and my diet consisted of sodas and cheeseburgers oh. and nachos and fries and all day long. And there was a time early in my business career where I'd eat McDonald's two, three times a day, and oh maybe my throw gosh. Wendy's in there, and you know, Permanis and hoagies and, and and all that stuff. And the the this all started. I was on a business trip in China, actually. Okay. Um, about probably about 15, 16 years ago. And I was carrying, I was probably about 230, 235. I'm about 6'2". Oh, yeah. And I was kind of carrying around my old college football weight that just, okay, I'm just going to stay bulky and kind of keep this, you know, I wasn't, I wouldn't consider myself fat, but I was slightly overweight and just kind of husky, bulk, bulkier yeah. than my friend. And on this business trip in China, we went out with my customer and we had a traditional meal in Beijing where they, you have the lazy Susan and they, they bring out food in a crock pot and... They brought out steak, fish, and chicken at one point in the meal. And I was taking chopsticks and putting the meat in, using one set of chopsticks to put the meat in the crock pot and then another one to pull the meat out. And my host said to me, oh, geez, Brian, you're so funny the way you, you know, the way you use the chopsticks like that. Um, I take it you don't eat raw meat. And I said, no, I actually, I don't eat raw meat. I eat a lot of bad things, but I, I've never eaten raw meat before. She's like, well, let's get a little more adventurous. Right? So she starts you know, talking to the waiter in Chinese and saying, and they start bringing out liver and brain and intestine oh. and all these different things. Oh, no. And we're throwing them in the crock pot. And, of course, you know, I'm young, and you know, this, this is a kind of like a, you know, exciting business dinner, and I'm, I'm representing my company, and I'm, I'm not going to turn anything down. Right? I can do this. <laughs> so, and, I had, and I was a pretty, you know, advent, my grandmother was born in Italy, so I would eat anything she was eating, and I was always the guy when my dad would bring me along to parties. I, Look at this kid's eating raw oysters. You know, I would I would eat anything. Yeah. Right? I could go on a trip to Madagascar and whatever the local cuisine is, I wanted to try it. So I'm eating all this and don't get the least bit of indigestion at all. Right? Really? Just yeah. like I end up totally fine the next morning. Fly back, fly on the way home. I fly and I stop in London for for the London Mails Exchange conference. And ironically, we're having a late night dinner at a Chinese restaurant, <laughs> and I got Campylobacter, which was a very um, serious form of food poisoning, oh. which I didn't realize I had. I, I toughed out the rest of that trip. Speak of speaking of not sleeping and working, I remember I was on the trip with my dad, and I usually wasn't on business trips with my dad. But we happened to be on this one together, and he's dragging me along. Come on, you're fine. Just keep going. And I mean, I couldn't hold anything down. I was. 
I was aching oh, to the bone, like the whole, the whole awful. trip. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. So I remember Pittsburgh still had a British Airways flight directly from Gatwick to Pittsburgh. And I remember sitting on that plane and just feeling like I was dying, you know, just yeah. aching to the bone. Get off the plane, go straight to Presby. They, they do a blood sample on me. Now, my best friend from Fox Chapel High School, um, who lived in Philadelphia, so it was a surprise 30th birthday party that weekend. And he's the kind of friend that shows up at all your things and expects you to be at all of his. So I, I went and tried, tried to get to, went to a hotel the night before, tried to, you know, try to tough it out. And the doctor called and said, you have Campylobacter. You need to like be in a, you know, in a hospital right now. Like this is very serious. Is it a so, bacterial infection or? What yeah, you, it's uh, a very serious bacterial infection. And if it's, if it doesn't run through your system and you don't stay hydrated, which is hard to stay hydrated because you can't hold anything can't, down. Right. So I went during that, I went from 235 to like 215. But when I came out of it, long story short, I was eating less when I started eating again, and I felt so much better yeah. eating less. Mm-hmm. And so then I just was like, you know what? I started reading about health foods. I'm like, well, let's eat a little bit of broccoli today. Oh, how about almond butter instead of peanut butter? How about one bowl of ice cream instead of three? It just all started there. Very ice, basic. The ice cream. Right? The ice cream, man. That's the ice, <laughs> yeah. And the almond butter to peanut butter is what I consider like that was the big moment. Right? Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, almond butter is a superfood, and I yeah. felt... So it just kept morphing from there and there and there and now here i am today where i eat basically superfoods nuts i don't eat any meats i eat no refined sugars i eat nothing white no rices no pastas nothing deep fried nothing processed nothing with a gmo i'm basically eating broccoli kale beets i'm juicing i drink wheatgrass shots um i'll eat salmon um i eat eggs eggs are a superfood everything i eat is defined is defined as something that I've studied and researched. And when I research, I don't just, I, I research, I cross-reference different sources, and then I test it on me right. before I say that this is something that I'm going to do or, or, or even talk about. And and I'm really glad you enjoy the Instagram. Uh, I, I don't, one thing that concerns, there's a lot of things that I get concerned about with it. One is I don't want to sound preachy, like I'm telling people what to do. It's just sort of like, it was a friend of mine who kind of inspired me and said, look, you decided not to go on social media when Facebook came out for various reasons. And one of them is just, you know, we talked about my business. It's obvious who the customer base is, but like say if you were the buyer for for US Steel and you and I were Facebook friends, we're hanging all the time, everybody be figure out you're buying tin for me. And I just, you know, you I didn't want people yeah, to yeah. know that. So right. um, plus I didn't think I had time for like random friends from second grade, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, telling me like about what they're doing. So, yeah. So, but he said, if you don't have some social media presence, this was three years ago, it'd be, it'd be like saying 20 years ago, you were not going to email your customers. You're just going to send faxes and letters. You're not going to, you're not going to have a website. You'll get, yeah. it, it goes back to the video cassette. You'll get vapor. You've got to, you've got to stay in that R and D and keep moving your business because it, it will change. Right. Um, you look at people in the metals business, like if you're, if you're not ready to, to shift to 3d printing, you might be making a certain alloy and you make it the old way you, you, you'll be out of business. Yep. So so I decided to go in there and I thought, what am I going to talk about? Well, talk about this quirky diet that you have because, and you mentioned it being uh, the humor side of it. I kind of always was a class clown in school. I love to make people laugh. Um, I love I loved to make people laugh in, in situations where you're not allowed to laugh, like in the yeah. library or, you know, or a serious teacher's class. Uh, we had a lot in Fox Chapel School District. Uh-huh. But I think my quirky comedy side Quirky comes is a out. real, is a great word for it because... Yeah, I think quirky, you know, like the 80s music at the end, you know, because I was never, I, you know, 
I'm sure you're a big fan of 80s music. I was never a fan of 80s music, but... Um, yeah, well, you don't want to go on a trip with me because we're gonna, it's, it's, it's 80s, 80s on right. 8 right now. Yeah. That's all it is. My, my, a friend of mine, she's like, her daughter knows every 80s because that's all she'll play is 80s rock or 80s hits, right? Yeah. And like, um, but it's just, it's just fun. It's kind of like, okay, and I do learn from it. And I go, I, and what I always run into is I try to eat well. I, I, I could always eat better, right? But I don't. Sure. Like my, my favorite food, my favorite meal in the world. Well, besides a really good steak, but a normal like is a really good cheeseburger with a beer. The fries I don't care so much about, but the burger and the like that's my like that's my treat, you know. So that's why I don't have a burger typically during the week. But like on a Friday night or Saturday night, I know it doesn't make me feel good. I know it's not good for me, but it's like okay, I ate. You know, we cook most nights. You know, we don't eat out all that often except for the weekends and I go and I eat well usually during the day uh, but I'm like oh it's my treat you know and I get it I mean and I you know it's funny because I was a big sweet tooth I loved chocolate mousse and uh, creme brulee and I mean I loved all I, I ate everything as I as I touched on before but it's funny and growing up Italian all the pastas oh and, yeah and, you know the manicotti all those incredible dishes the homemade foods that my mom you know my mom makes all this and my kids eat it and i kind of live vicariously through the seeing them enjoy it and her meat homemade meatballs and her marinara sauce uh, incredible did she do all the three meats like the veal and the you know for her meatballs because we always my my mom's side was is italian okay and uh we, we learned i always learned i never got the recipe but they make these fantastic meatballs but they were pork veal and Beef, I guess. Uh-huh. You know the three. I know. Anyway, off the meatballs. Oh, so, oh I know. Yeah. It's it, it's it's she's it's doctored towards my dad. You know, I mean, he eats it. I think like oh, okay. you know, six nights a week. Right. He eats pasta and meatballs. But um, but it's the thing that I miss the most is a cheeseburger. A Tesaro's cheeseburger would Tesaro's. be would be would be my last uh, my, my, if I, my 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 cheat meal or my last meal if I ever had you know to pick one or whatever like a blue cheeseburger with lettuce, tomato, yeah. caramelized onion, and probably some bacon on there. I have to admit, even though I haven't touched any of that stuff, I, I yeah that I, I hear you, but it's really like one of those things where, and I, and I'll make it analogous. Like I, I touched on the sleep. I look at one thing in my health food. Like where's where's my weak spot? Like my sleep isn't as good as it could be. And there's various reasons for that. My mind's very active. I'm busy. I'm getting to bed late at night. I've got a lot of, you know, I've got a lot of after school activities with the kids, a lot of business stuff to work. I'm just, there's not a lot of time to like sit down at eight o'clock and start unwinding and drinking tea and reading a book. I mean, I just don't have time for that right now. What are you reading? I'm like, reading? I don't have time to read. I go to to bed at 1130 after I tuck everybody in. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to it's hard for me to get that good night's sleep for lots of reasons, right? But but that's an area that's an area of weakness, and that's why I'm studying the melatonin and other other things that can, it can do to help myself with that. But I've talked to a lot of people say it's really just a matter of meditating, and be, you can breathe and yeah. go through a meditation process, and you won't need melatonin or Xanax or any anything else out there. But and I can't seem to get past that and see, like, we talk about Superman foods, and you've got Superman and you've got Clark Kent. Right? right, yeah. And it's like, how can you how can you run an international trading business and you can't find your car keys? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, like, it's like that, and that's the quirkiness of that. But you know what? I've learned to just, like, I've learned to where I might have been um, 
you know, I felt, I, I felt bad about being quirky. I learned to just embrace it. That's, that's who great. I. That's who I am. Yeah. You know what and I mean? You got to embrace who you are because we all have strengths and, and and weaknesses. And I just always look at myself and I go like, this. I have very few strengths and a lot of weaknesses. You know. And one of my business biggest weaknesses besides cheeseburgers um, <laughs> is uh, directions. I like. I literally never know where I am. And I, I even with the GPS, the, the only the GPS, I just follow it. I don't. Even, okay. I, but people go, oh, you know, you ask for directions. They're like, well, turn right on Sixth Street and then this street. And I'm going, dude. What are you saying? The only time I had any idea where I was was when I lived in San Diego, because when you live there, you do always know where the ocean is for whatever reason. There's an energy that comes from the ocean. Mm -hmm. You know where it is. Sure. Um, so you can. Figure out. I'm in Pittsburgh. I don't know which way is north, man. I like. I, I have no idea. Am I facing north? Right. I don't know. I don't know where I am. Which direction I'm going. Pittsburgh's the hardest, man. <laughs> I've lived here most of my 47 years of my life, and I, I, I it's so hard to figure out Pittsburgh. It I is. Mean, it's just. It's, People, it's, I, I just forget. Like, put it in. Give me the address. Yeah. No, no, no. I'll tell you. Don't tell me where I'm going. Yeah. Just give me the address. I'm going to put it in my GPS, and hopefully, you know, Siri will get me there. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but you know, but 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 it's just really like I look at that and I say, why can't I can I can be so disciplined that I will? And we were talking about just a quick quick analogy. We were talking about Tiger Woods because there's apparently a documentary out about him and how disciplined he was about being the best at golf, or Michael Jordan in basketball. Yeah, right. These guys right. would do anything, or you could you could talk about a CEO or or a great leader, like they'd do anything and to keep that discipline to being the best. And somebody said to me, "You're kind of that way with your diet. You will go, you will go to every end to make yourself what you believe is the healthiest you can be. But why can't I? Why can't I? Why can't can I get the meditation down?" And people are saying, "You can do it. I know I can do it. I just it's the same thing with the diet. If you wanted to, if you wanted, if you to. wanted to, and I'm not saying yeah, yeah. you should or you, if you wanted to, not eat the cheeseburger for six months and see how you felt or whatever, Could and just eat. Do the, it. You you can do this. People think it's People think it's too difficult. People think it's too expensive. And I would say that that I found that that's not the case. Um, in some cases, you might buy a ten, twelve dollar juice, and you might buy some, you know, you might buy, you know, expensive uh, kale or or even a dish that you you buy at a, a fancy health food store. In the long run, I mean, look at what you pay to go. To, I could pay to go to McDonald's with my kid. In the long run, what you will save in 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 health costs, what you will save in you're, you know, you buy a burger and a beer if you go to the game. I mean, if you go to if you go to a concert oh, or a game, you're, you're, you're going to spend a ton of money, anyways. <laughs> yeah. If you if you're at a turnpike rest stop or if you're if you're at if you're at the beach, it's really not that much more expensive. And and the other thing I found was, if you think about what I said at the beginning, what made me feel the best because I wasn't right away eating all these superfoods. I felt better eating less. So what happened was, about two years ago, I'm on I'm on a really business busy six week stretch of business, you know, conferences, literally where you could have conferences where you barely have time to go to the bathroom between the meetings. And I didn't have time to like in between the meetings run back and eat my health foods or run to Whole Foods at ten o'clock at night. And and I just gave up and started stop eating and eating. And then I and then I was reading about intermittent fasting and yep. I kind of back into a lot of things I figure out. It's never like, you know, and I even in my business, like I, I get into something like I wasn't trying to get here, but this is this might be a better path. Intermittent fasting, I started reading about that. I wasn't trying to do it, but I actually felt better. When you know, Remember the, the soccer days? We'd have soccer tournaments or basketball yeah. tournaments. Mm -hmm. If you eat like me, you can't eat a hot dog and fries at these, at these events. So I just wouldn't eat. Yeah. 
and I felt even better not eating. And when I do eat, I'm eating the superfoods, and that, then I'm like, oh, I found an, I even found another level here. So I'm always looking for, and and the other thing too is, if I were to write a book or do a PowerPoint on this, there are so many levels or chapters you could do in between me from where I was at the beginning to now and be great. I feel sort of like a scientist researching this, so I feel like I always have to be at the extreme end because I can't find out the new the new bastions unless I'm out there doing this. Right. And so I love to go talk to people because I love I do love talking to people. I love to go to all these places when I'm traveling, and 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 I really do just enjoy enjoy interviewing random people and and hearing their stories. And it's funny, yeah, because people are like, "What are you this dude?" And you're asking them questions, and like sometimes they don't like. I was watching a girl; she's like, "Yeah, there's," and she's obviously just a rep for I don't know what, but it's kind of like yeah, because you're talking about like phytonutrients <laughs> right. and all that stuff. She's like, "Sure, okay, biochemical <laughs> reactions, right, yeah. yeah." But it's the intermittent fasting you were touching on. That for me has been one of the biggest changes in my, it, kind of in my body, right? So, you know, I've worked out most of my life on and off. I mean, there's been times where you know, I, got, I bloomed up to like 220 pounds. Um, and then I exercised and, you know, I dropped that weight. I had high cholesterol and all that kind of thing. And so and my doctor said, you work out an hour a day and go on a Mediterranean type diet. Okay, I could do that. I still mm-hmm. want my burger, but right. I can do that like 80% of the time. Um, but then I started finding, okay, you know, you go through times in your life where you were talking about like, you just run out of time to work out. And for me, if I don't work out two days in a row, I'm like, oh, I, I just don't feel like working out. And especially mm-hmm. as the weather turns yeah. here in Pittsburgh. I mean, I understand, you know, when the, every, every winter... I think, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I know my body's going to want more food, right? My body's going to want to put on fat because it's cold, and that's the natural way your body kind of works. It's mm-hmm. going to try to protect itself um, with fat. So I'm going to use that as a bulking opportunity, and I'm going to lift weights, and I'll eat a little bit more food. But by mid-crappy, sludgy, gray days, I'm like, dude, I have no motivation to get out of bed, let alone work out anymore. Um, but I started about two years and I did keto, mm-hmm. right? I tried keto and that was just too difficult for me. Um, too many, you know, trying to eat bacon and avocado every day, like, and going, I, this is not sustainable for me. I know a lot of people do it and it's fine. They lose weight. I don't know how healthy it is. And there's a lot of mixed information about that. Um, but then I started researching intermittent fasting and I didn't want to do like, two days, no eating, I, or whatever. So I just started doing the 16-8. You know, don't eat for 16 hours, and then you can eat reasonably for eight hours. So I just go, well, I'm going to start doing the math, and I'm like, well, if I cut out breakfast, there's my, I can, you know, I don't eat till 1 o'clock, then there's my 16 hours. So I go, let me try this. The first week sucked. You know, I was tired. I just didn't have any energy. I was mm-hmm. hungry. Then all of a sudden, I woke up one day and I'm like, "Hurrah!" I'm like, "I get out of going, oh, man! I have so much energy. I slept better. I had better energy. Felt better. Felt cleaner. Felt lighter. Even though I hadn't really lost a lot of weight at that time, but and then I started going, okay, I did this because I I want to. The way I want to live for myself is I want to I want to enjoy things that I like to enjoy. There's always limitations. You have to put limitations on yourself, right? You can't if you eat McDonald's three days a week. There's going to be detriments to that. Sure. If you eat a burger once a week, it's probably not great, but 
is it going to, it's not the same as eating burgers three days a week, right? Um, so I go, okay, let me try this to be able to spend a week and then spend a weekend where I don't have as many responsibilities doing things that I really enjoy doing. And most of those aren't good for me, mm -hmm. right? Because we all enjoy the things that we don't. So that there is that self-discipline to an extent, not like you have. But that intermittent fasting was not difficult. And I would encourage people to research it and try it for themselves. Um, because I really understand that their habits are really hard to break. And I talk to people that are obese and they're like, I just don't have the energy to exercise. Okay, I understand that. And it, it, that's a hard push. Exercise is hard, you know, if you really exercise. And mm -hmm. when you exercise, you're probably, I'm imagining, like me, I'm a big fan of failure, right? I hate failure. That's not the right way. But I think it's the, the, the most important thing we can do in life is fail. Um, because that's the only way we learn, you know. Or at least that's, I should say, that's the only point. way that I learn. Uh, I can't really speak for anybody else, but I've learned more from my failures. And so workout's an easy one for me because I work out to failure every time I work out, you know, where, you know, I don't know, I'm sure you've done pushups before and you're on your hundredth, you're on your hundredth pushup of that, of that exercise routine that you're doing. And, and, and you, you get stuck going halfway up and you're stuck and you're going, and your arms are shaking right. and you're going, I can push it. And you're trying and, and, and you know, your body just failed, right? And that's where you're getting the most benefit. Right. Is that, at that failure. Sure. So the more we can fail in life, so it's going, okay, do fail. Like walking around the block is good. But if you can walk around the block, why don't we try running around the block? And if you can only run a halfway around that block before you fail, that's going to do a lot more for you than making it easily walking around the block, Right. So I, th I always think that, you know, everybody hates failing. It's uncomfortable. It's terrible when you're in it. But when you can re sit back and reflect on what happened there, why, you know, I think about a push-up every time because I do it almost daily. When I'm in that push-up and I'm, you know, could I, you know, if there was the promise of world peace hanging above me to get this last push-up in, could I have done it? I bet you I could have. I right? think you, I, I bet you could have. I bet you could have. Yeah. yeah. So what, what was, why... Did my mind trick me to thinking my body couldn't do it? And can I push past that next time? You know? And yeah, obviously there's no world peace hanging above me, but there's something more that we have that sometimes I think we just get lazy about. I just, I, I, I love this, this message. Um, that, that, and there's so many different analogies you can, you, can, you can make off this, but, you know, I like to make sports analogies. It's sort yeah. of like if, if you want to become a great golfer or, or if you're if you're a basketball team you want to go only one person's going to win the championship or be the number one person in the world but if you push yourself through the through the failure and you get to where you failed or in your business career be like wow we were shooting for this and we didn't quite make it all the way there but look what we accomplished along the way and that's the one thing i always say to the teams i coach or to my kids only one person is you know, is, is the champion. Like, you know, if, if you make it all the way to the final four, that's a, that's a phenomenal accomplishment, mm -hmm. right? And, and shouldn't take away from, from all that. And the analogy that you're making towards working out or maybe with the diet or, or fasting is you don't have to be perfect, whatever perfect is. And I think, I think perfect, just like normal is, doesn't exist. It's, it's, it it's a, it's a man-made, yeah. you know, and I, by the way, I, this whole thing about being normal, it's one stage in my life when I was in grade school where I, 
there's this goal to be normal. I never really wanted to be normal, though. I, I wanted to be, and it wasn't that I wanted to be different just so I could be different. Like, I just, I think I was different from whatever what everybody thought was normal. And I kind of always wanted to be extraordinary without knowing it. I wanted to be the best. If I couldn't, you know, I, I wanted to try to be the, the number one kid in the class. I, I wasn't the highest in academics. I mean, I wasn't the best in that. But I wanted to be. Yeah. And I wanted to be extraordinary, not normal. But Fear of failure, you know, one, one of my favorite football players of all time was Heinz Ward. And he always, you know, he, he even even as he's the, one of the, considered one of the best receivers and a pro Bowl player, whenever the Steelers would draft a receiver, he felt like he wasn't good enough and he had to prove himself because he was afraid he wasn't going to make it. And I, I identify with that a lot, just like you touched upon about an hour ago about work, get up and work hard or whatever. I, that's so ingrained in me, and and I'm probably gonna. I'm trying to do less of that because I do want to smell the roses. I want. I certainly. I take time off work to make sure that I'm, don't miss things with my kids or or miss doing something with my parents or somebody in my family or my friend because. Working hard is allows you to 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 do that and and to take you know to take that look and I don't want to just keep working 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 and just right. someone that just dies at my desk and tries to make them a, like there's no. There's no holy grail in all that, and I'm seeing that, and I there, I, yeah. I agree with you on that. But There's, but but I think I'm sorry. You were gonna... No, no. I was just going to say, you know, one of the people have um, their heroes, right? They have inspirations in their lives, and you can always go to the norms. You know, it, one of the ones that's easy for me is my father, right? And you go, okay, you know, work hard, you know, overcoming obstacles. And one of the things that I learned from him, I don't know if he taught me so much as I learned from observing is it really wasn't about, it wasn't about failing or succeeding. It was just trying, right? Cause you don't fail until you stop trying yeah. and it's pushing, you know, just saying, okay. And I, I've been in business for myself for a long time, you know, and I've had, I don't know how many people going like, well, that's not working. Like you're not making enough money. And I'm thinking if I put money first, I'm never going to get to where I'm not where I want to be. And it has nothing to do with money. I mean, there's, I have, again, I, I believe I have a tremendous amount of weaknesses that I can always work on those. Um, but it's that pivoting. It's not giving up, right? Because it, I believe that, and I've been able to over time have some success and you know, dig your way out of that mud. But when you're in that mud and, you know, and you're looking around and you're going, this is terrible. Right, it's hard, and a lot of people today, we've painted this picture of success, and oh, Brian, oh yeah, he's 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 an over. It's just work for him, right? Or whomever, like a lot of these people that you you can point to, like Rocky Blyer. A lot of people, oh yeah, he's you know, yeah, it's because he just did what he did. I mean, he's just you know, there's no magic, right? What did he do? He pushed himself beyond his limits. He didn't take the naysayers, doctors telling him, you know, Brock, your, 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 your days are over from playing football. You can't tell me what to do. I'll make that decision for myself, mm -hmm. right? Um, and if you give up, you do fail. But one of the, I, I kind of got off on, on, on a subject from an inspiration. One of the things that I personally look for for inspiration as a life lesson are people that are leaving this world. Right, people that are have a few days left know that they're leaving, and what are they saying? Because sometimes they'll write down what their thoughts are and what's important to them, right? And their pers perspective is completely different than 
yours and I, mm-hmm. right? Because we're in it. You know, we've got the kids. You're going to the game tonight. You know, you got to get this kid over here, here. You got the work. You know, you have these deadlines. You have this that needs to be done. You got to do this report. You go, all this stuff that comes. Well, and then it's, you, uh-oh, we have dinner. I forgot what we're going to have for dinner. Uh-oh, what do we have in the fridge? You know, yeah. Right. So you have all this stuff going on, and we lose sight of it. So I keep one in my phone. I was just reading it last night, and I passed it on to a friend of mine uh, who's having some difficulties. And it always keeps, and I'm not going to read it here because it's fairly long, but if you have anybody that's listening, we have no listeners, so that's great. We, you know, uh, but if anybody's listening, there is a girl, and I don't even know if this is real. I haven't done the research. Somebody could have just made it up, but it doesn't matter because the perspective, I think, is right. There's a girl named Holly Baker. Holly, it's not Baker. Shoot. Um, but I'll, I'll send it to you. And she wrote, she had cancer, 27 years old. And mm. she wrote this whole series of t- tips, kind of, on how you, you know, how she sees you should live your life. And I read it, man, my eyes are pouring, you know. I mean, I look at it, and I'm like, you know, we're on the wrong path, you know. Or I look at it to myself, and I'm like, I'm on the wrong path. I'm so inundated with all of this stuff, all the things that I've been taught that are important aren't important. Family's important, right? Your kids are important. Love is important. Mm. Friendships are important. Are cars important? House is important? Is money important? I mean, yes. One of the best quotes that I had from another friend of mine whose grandfather was very was pretty well off. He said, you know, it's not that it's so great to be rich. It's just that it's so hard to be poor, right? And so it's going, okay, yeah, when you're, when you're, because I don't know if you've been there, but I, you know, people look at me and they think that I have like a uh, trust, you know, a trust mm-hmm. fund or something in mm-hmm. that, um, I've had no strife, right? I, I don't understand. But no, I, I remember the days of scrounging money in, the, in the, the, uh, the couch cushions, right? To go buy 10 packs of ramen because you could get 10 for a dollar at the time, right? That was in, in white Wonder Bread because I was making ramen Wonder Bread sandwiches, right? That's what I was living off of. Um, I had those times. Uh, so I do understand that that's really hard. But if you can keep pressing and working through it, but it's not the money. You know, it's, you know, uh, I ran into a guy and I kind of felt badly, multi, multi-millionaire, right? And you look at the guy and you think, okay, he's, yeah, his teeth are all jacked up, you know, he had to do something about his teeth. He wears the same clothes every day. That's fine if you want to live that way. I'm not judging you by any means, but okay, you could do something. Takes the, the dollar at the time, it, you could spend a dollar, I think, to take the super bus or whatever that bus was mm-hmm. down to Al- Atlantic City. And you would do that to play the five-cent slot machines, right? And his only goal in all of his life was to get his dollar amount bigger in his bank, right? He had no other goals. He had no family. He had nothing, right? Just watch this dollar amount grow. And then to do what, right? You've taken your whole life. Now, if that's the only thing that interests you, what am I to judge? Right, but this experience that we have, and we're here for such a small amount of time, and we get so just crushed by these societal weird things that we're taught from a young age, you know. And it's still like we were talking about sleep. The early bird gets warm. Oh, the less you sleep, the more work you can do. And okay, well maybe we shouldn't do that. What if I? I like my body likes nine hours of sleep. I'll be honest. <laughs> Eight is okay, but nine, oh, that's the sweet spot for me, man. I like that. And the nap in in the afternoon from time to time. I don't know when was the last time you had a nap. 
Maybe you're a napper. Oh, I'm a terrible napper. Even yeah, even when I had time to take naps, like in college or yeah. you know, back when I was younger, I just, I guess I was always one of these people. Like, think of a high school party. I was the last guy to go to bed because oh, I didn't yeah. want to miss anything. Didn't you know miss I mean, it. I wanted to enjoy all the fun and distract everything on the day. And I guess that I'm listening to what you're saying, and, and I think it's, I think your message is beautiful and it's it's impactful. Um, to wow. me, it is. It's it's, okay. it's it is to me. Um, I look at the fact that I. I wish I slept more because I want to be healthier. Yeah. Well, certainly there, there's a lot of research from that standpoint. From absolutely. Health, yeah. absolutely. But the, I guess one of the reasons that I traditionally don't, now you can't count waking up in the middle of the night and not falling back to sleep because you're not doing anything anyways. But but going to bed late or getting up early because I want to be doing something. So I, right. I, I cheat the sleep. Maybe I don't cheat the job, but I cheat the sleep because I'd rather be. And even if I'm, even if it's, it's 9 o'clock and, and I don't have the kids that night and nothing to do, it might be midnight before I get to bed because, I'm doing something. something. It must, might not be anything big. It might not be a lot of work. Or, but it's I'm something doing, interesting. It's doing something interesting. I yeah. might even be meditating in my own way. I'm just thinking about things or yeah. whatever. But I, I, I guess that's that embracing of life. And it, it, it kind of, um, when, you, when, you, when you think about, I've tried really hard to live more in the present. You, you've touched on this, you know, you know, not worrying about money and getting more money and building the future in your career. That's That's so true, I think. And also... Not worrying about you have to. We have to. We're parents, right? We're right. parents. You're we're going to worry. We, we have for, careers. You yes. have to have. You have to have goals. You have to plan. And you have to have safety. And you have because I mean, you're providing for. I mean, it's really for me. It's about the kids, you know. And I'm yeah. not talking about transferring wealth. I'm not talking, but it's they need to feel safe. They need to feel secure, right? They don't need that. That doesn't mean they need a mansion to feel that way, uh, but they need to read about kids in this country that are starving. It's unbelievable to me that we have any children in our country that are starving. Like that, that, that sh- there should be no money going anywhere until there is not a ch- starving child in our country. There's no debate. Like I don't, I don't care how humanitarian you are. Like they, you, you got to stick to your own first. I mean, all your neighbors, right? Mm-hmm. Love all your neighbors, right? I want everybody to do well. I love when people do well. Right, and they, they they're happy, and yeah, I love it. That's the greatest thing in the world. But if I can't protect my kids first, I can't help my community. Right. If I can't help my community, I can't help my county. I can't help my state. I can't, you know. Right. So it all comes down to that. So as a country, if we have people that are starving in our country, but yet billions of dollars are going to all kinds of other places, that's unacceptable. I don't know how I got off on this tangent, man. I, I just I couldn't <laughs> just, agree. I couldn't agree more, yeah. and, and that's why, like I, you know, I I, I want to I'm I'm spending more time trying to to do charitable things and and uh, philanthropic. But and what I'm about to say right now segues kind of into everything that you're touching on and that I want to touch on is people always ask me what's the most valuable commodity, and the most valuable commodity is time. Yeah, time. Investing time in your children, investing time in your family, your friends, and then outward to your community. There's no bigger gift you could give somebody. And I've seen that. You know, you can write checks to people and give donations. But when you actually spend time, especially with people that, that you know, in different areas, different, different backgrounds, socioeconomic, different races, religion, you spend time with people and, and, and you give your time and you give your love. And that's, that's the most impactful thing you can do. And then it comes back. To you too. I mean, it's just it's just a wonderful, 
it's a wonderful thing. And so I think that's a, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, that's, that's, that's my, that's, that's, that's my number one focus is my children, my three children and, and everything goes and everything I have to do to support all that around that, you know, comes second and takes a lot of time as well. But, you know, you touched upon it. One of the things that I think we both struggle with, we go to bed at night, there might be 50 things we wanted to get to do in the day, like not, not fun, like things we wanted, things we had to do yeah. that we just couldn't get to, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that's just a matter of time. And, you know, one day we're going to, you know, if, if we're going to have more time than we know what to do with, we you know, will. we're going to have that and, yeah. and, we're, and we're going to miss those days. So it's embracing, it's embracing the, the craziness of, yeah. of the way the schedule is right now in the life and living in the present and sucking. I mean, look at these last five or six days in Pittsburgh. I, you said San Diego is one of my favorite places in the world. Yeah, I don't think there could be anywhere more beautiful on the earth than Pittsburgh. The last five days. Oh, it's perfect, right? It's been perfect. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and, and I've tried not just because that day it could be rained. Just I'm just talking about that because I wanted to soak every ounce out of those days, and I want to do that every day of my life. Yeah. I want to take my discipline and my eccentric quirkiness, okay, and apply that to, you know, I apply it to school when I need to do that. I apply it to business when I try to get. It. To parenting, to try to be the best parent I can be, I'm trying to, to really live in the present because there's no. I mean, I'm sure you're seeing it with people your 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 parents' age, like people getting sick and passing away, people yeah. even closer to our age. There's no guarantees about tomorrow, and, and there's that old saying like people make five year plans and God laughs. Yeah, you really have to be be focused and present. And so many times, you're talking to somebody. And it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's natural. You talk about your past, and you talk about what you're going to do in the future. And the future could be tomorrow. It could be you're going to Kennywood, or you're going to go down to Miami, or you've got some, you've got a soccer tournament, or something you're going to do two, two weeks from now or two years from now. Nothing can be more important than the present. Right. And the present is you and I talking right yeah, now. We're talking. So, yeah. so I mean, I need telling, to... Telling stories. Yeah. And, yeah. We, we've got emails probably piling up. Uh-huh. I've got to get air in my tire. It doesn't matter. Right. The only thing that matters right now when you really get focused and you really and you really get you really your best version and you get totally relaxed and into it. I mean, I, I was meditating this summer. I was in Washington Square Park in New York City. I took and I was meditating with somebody and I fell asleep on a park bench for about five minutes, which I can't fall asleep in my own bed, I told you. <laughs> and I just was so lost in the moment. And I and all those things that we have in our minds, things we have to do just weren't there. Yeah. And that that's a that's that's like the biggest vacation or healthiest thing that we could do, is just be focused on the present. On the present yep. And when you do that, the people you're with, the quality of that time just exponentially grows too. You can feel the difference. You can. And in to be honest, and you could call it selfish. Is it's one of the biggest reasons that I started this podcast. You know, there's no money here. Right. There's there's nothing. I don't, there's no advertising. I don't have it. I don't get any money. I spend my time. I spend time to come downtown. I pay a few dollars in parking to, you know, but I, when I looked at my life and some of my weaknesses, I realized, <clears throat> and again, just talking about myself is that I'm not talking to people. I mean, you know, I talk to people, but I'm not really communicating. And I found, and I started to really analyze my own self as we tend to do, right? And you're going, I'm not a great communicator. And I have friends and we have fun and we laugh and we do all this stuff. But yeah. sitting down and talking to somebody eye to eye, I've always, as I reflected, going, 
I'm not listening to what somebody's saying. I'm talking with them. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not letting them talk. I'm thinking about, oh, this person said this. Oh, how does that relate to my life? And how can I talk about me? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, I can't do this. So, because like, I'm a big dummy, I'm like, well, how can I get better at something? And a lot of people can read a book and they get better. Or, so they say, I can't do that. I read a book and I, you know, 10 minutes into a book, I'm, you know. What did I just what read? I, yeah. what do I, I don't yeah. know. What do I, I have no idea. Um, I have to do. It's the only way I can do it. Um, so I think, yeah. okay, if I do a podcast, then I have to do it. And if I publish the podcast, now I'm, now I, I'm connected to that, right? And I, I throw it out into the ether of the world and that blackness of internet. I don't know, right? But it's there. So I'm... It's tangible at that it's point. It's tangible. Yeah. And I have a responsibility to that. And I have a responsibility, if I invite you to come on the show, I have a responsibility to listen, Right. And, you know, we have a conversation. Conversations are two-way, but that's what I'm working on, you know, and that's part of the reason is being in that moment to be able to say, okay, you know, I'm looking Brian in the eyes. I'm talking to him. I'm hearing what he's saying. And there's so many other questions that come up, but what's he saying right now? He's talking about food and health and, okay, meditation is great. Um, but where does that go, you know, and how do you get started? Because now I'm interested. I go, he said something about peanut butter and almond butter. And I go, damn it. My kids are allergic to almonds. Oh, they like, are? Okay. Yeah. It's so cool. Well, tahini right. butter is, is also a great one, too. There's really? A, there's a lot, there's a, actually, pumpkin seed butter. Do you, pumpkin no. seed butter is phenomenal. Actually, pumpkin seed butter has a lot of other health benefits, including high Where levels of zinc. Where do you get pu- I've never even seen pumpkin seed butter. Um, you can get it You can get it at Whole Foods. Probably, I don't know if Trader Joe's has it, but okay. I, I actually buy mine online. online. I just okay. Yeah, I just research and find these companies. Does it and, taste good? I'll I tell think you it what, tastes. I think it tastes really good. I'm actually. bummed about peanut butter because I love peanut butter. Yeah, and then there are people who are like now it's like peanut butter will kill you. Uh, you know, it's not that bad, but and I do the natural one. You yeah. know, the, 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 whatever. It's just peanuts and oil. So you go, but peanuts are, apparently aren't very good for you anymore. Um, I'm gonna get you a jar of pumpkin seed butter. Pumpkin seed butter. Yes. Don't do that. Did you say tahini? I don't like tahini. I mean, I like. A little bit in like hummus. We use it. Hummus, right. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like tahini out of the jar, I'm not a big fan. Well, if you, if you mix it with different things, like I like to freeze fruits, and it turns yeah. it's like a, I, I make these man, you know, concoctions of healthy desserts. I'll freeze watermelon and pineapple. That's really, uh, you know, wow, that's a crazy invention, right? <laughs> to just freeze the fruit. But it's amazing how good it tastes when when, yeah. you, when you freeze it. You can thaw it for a little bit, and then you put the almond butter on it or the tahini butter. So what I like to do is take avocado, mash it down, get get frozen fruit. Could be uh, could be grapes. I've been eating a lot of mango lately. Mango's um, delicious. It's yeah. great, right? And so many health benefits. And mix that in there and put, sprinkle a little raw cacao on there. Um, and then I throw the pumpkin seed butter, and it kind of gives it. It's like this creamy with the avocado and the pumpkin seed. That sounds butter. sounds so like, weird. It's, 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 it's just <laughs> here's the quirky side. But, but I, it I might be there, delicious. I mean, you just I, never think like avocado. I'm like cut up on a salad, uh, avocado toast. I'm trying try to eat too much bread, um, but or you know whatever normal things you think of avocado, but in like a dessert you don't think of avocado. I was missing so much. I was missing the texture of bread so much. I hadn't had bread, in, well, I haven't had traditional bread in you know 15, 15 years. But I do make my own health food breads, and I hadn't made it. Oh. I hadn't taken the time to do it, and I did the other day. 
because you mentioned bread, and I made it out of quinoa flour and teff flour, which are, you know, two quinoa flour. Things. I'm f- familiar with. What was the other one? Teff flour. So T E F T T E F F. So okay. the Ethiopian diet consists mainly of teff flour. There's it's a very healthy low glycemic low glycemic low in the glycemic index, um, very healthy carbohydrate, gives you a lot of energy, and there's a lot of protein in it as well. Um, controls your blood sugar low. It's a, it's a, it's got a lot of uh, nutrients in it, like magnesium and. Do you have a bread maker that you do do it in an oven, or how do you, how do you? Yeah, I'll just make it, and I'll just just make it in an oven. Just uh, pour the batter, and I put eggs eggs in there, and a little bit of olive oil, and a little bit of baking powder, and so I could send you the recipe. Yeah, actually, I do because yeah. my daughter and my wife both have apparently gluten intolerances of some. To some degree, um, I know my daughter does. I'm not sure really what's going on with my wife, but um, and you know the problem with gluten-free breads that you buy in a store, they're awful. They're awful. Like they don't taste like bread. I don't know what they taste like. I don't know. Like we've tried the gluten-free pasta. There's like one or two brands that we found passable. You can certainly tell the difference. Um, but I, I've kind of, I don't I haven't cut it out because I have my burger, right? And I always have a brioche bun or whatever bun. I got another place called Knox's. Don't go there because there's nothing there for you. <laughs> but for anybody else, Knox's down in Blahnox, a little kind of hole-in-the-wall place. Uh, Carozas. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, Kevin's great friend Yeah, Kevin's wife, um, co-owner. And it's a great bar food, you know place i mean it's clean it's great and that's where i go almost honestly usually twice a week okay <laughs> go, okay they have those delicious blue cheese spicy blue burgers oh no no anyway even talking about it my mouth waters um i should have brought a slice down i actually have one left but i'll i'll send you the recipe can you make like a sandwich with it like does this hold up or is it yeah just, yeah yeah you can make a sandwich with it uh, because there's so much egg in it you have yeah. to put it in the fridge when you it's best when it comes out of the oven for the first few hours um, but then you have to put it in the refrigerator, and I'd say you could probably probably last about five days. You bring it out, okay. you can toast it or heat it back up in the in an oven. I don't like to use microwaves for radiation. I mean, think about this: we're we're heating something without using heat. Dude, we're we're changing the molecular structure through radioactive waves. Like that I have just my, doesn't work. I just got a microwave, um, and we went back and forth, and we ended up. Anyway, we have a microwave. I haven't had a microwave in fifteen twenty years. I haven't used a microwave. Good for you. And man. we just got one. And like, I don't use it very, what do I use it for? Um, sometimes for like a quick frozen meal, like yeah. through, which I don't eat. I have, I don't know, if, what was the last time I used a heating up? I, I mean, for myself, like I, I did use it today for oatmeal for my daughter because, but it's just so weird to me. I mean, I've done a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot of research, but I've read about, I haven't, Research is an overused word, but I tried to, you know, and there doesn't seem to be any besides meat. Like it changes the molecular structure of meat, right? And um, so don't ever microwave meat. Um, but for other things, it doesn't seem like it's harmful, but it just seems like it should be harmful. It's very strange to me. I, I don't know. I don't and, like it. And I'm not sure how harmful it is. I mean, I'm sure it is in some ways. Who knows exactly how harmful it is? I just. It's the, it's the changing the, the, the molecular structure I can't get past. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want, 
I like to eat food in a like I had raw beets for breakfast today. You uh -huh. know, like if you some foods you actually uh, enhance the nutrient density by heating it up a little bit. But if you cook like when I make my ginger turmeric tea, if you cook the turmeric too high of a level, you'll kill the curcumin, which is the active ingredient that, that brings down inflammation. Yeah, it's basically yeah. medicinal. Mm -hmm. But one thing you touched upon earlier about gluten uh, gluten intolerance, it's just like lactose intolerance. We're all Glute. we all we're all lactose intolerant. We're all glu glucose intolerant to some varying degrees. It's a some people get real sick. Some people don't get very sick. But we we're not we're the only species on earth. Talking about milk for a second here. Milk's that disgusting. That drinks the milk of another species. It's so disgusting. Okay, it's, it's, it's it was so... it was designed for a baby calf to grow two hundred times its birth weight, along with eating wheatgrass. Which, but, but what a gluten is, and a lot of people don't really understand what a gluten is. It's a foreign substance that our body does not have a breakdown. And so think of something that's like going through your garbage disposal that your garbage disposal can't grind up. Right. How's it going to get out of it? How does it get out? Yeah. It gets stuck in there. It stays in there. Then you're then you're. Pipes get clogged, and it's there's odor in your kitchen. Gluten's come out in our skin. You know, the, the, it's got to find a way out of its body. So anything that's a foreign substance, a GMO, that our bodies can't break down, really, we shouldn't put in there, we right? I mean, right. you wouldn't put something into a, you know, you wouldn't buy a beautiful car and put some kind of gas in there that's going to, or no, oil. You're not going to put diesel in your no. you know, gas engine. No. Yeah. You wouldn't buy a brand new, beautiful kitchen, stainless steel sink, and then just throw gar you know things in there that it can't take. So, yeah. or, or throw things down your toilet that aren't going to go down the pipe. So it's that, that's why avoiding glutens is to me just a, it's, it's, it's kind of a common sense kind of a thing and, you, and you'll feel the benefits. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I do. Again, I don't eat too much Try to stay away from pastas, I and mean, we do have them from time to time. Um, and then my burger, I, uh, my weakness. Um, and then lactose is an interesting one because like, milk's an easy one for me. I just I don't drink milk. Like it's so disgusting to me. I used to as a kid, and then like I watched a documentary on milk and like how many, you know, what parts per million of pus they can be in milk. Be, you know, and I'm like. I'm out. I'm done with milk. Yeah. There's no milk. But then I'm like, does cheese count as milk? Because cheese is delicious. <laughs> and does ice cream really count as milk? Because it's frozen. So uh, I don't know. It shouldn't count. Uh, I, but I am lactose intolerant. Not to a terrible degree. But yeah. And so I have, yeah, ice cream was another weakness. And I had to go get uh, either Haagen Dazs or Ben and Jerry's, one of those pints. Like, oh, I'll have a couple of spoonfuls, and then all of a sudden you eat the whole goddamn thing. Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can hang out with my dad. It's yeah, just like, it's, it's his weakness. And it's so bad. And I feel terrible, but it's so good going down. So good. And cheese is just one that I'm like, I don't care. I mean, I, I do love, you know, it's, I'm not eating, well, no, I eat raw cheese. I do that all the time. I just can't. I'm not in the mindset because it is a mindset. Your diet is your mindset, and there's nothing new. People would look like, oh, you're not enjoying it. You're like, dude, I love this because it's a mindset. It's like exercise. Exactly. I love – I hate exercise because it's so hard. I mean, if you're really exercising. But if I don't get my exercise in, you know, and it's usually – there's always a day that I don't for whatever reason. So it's five, six days a week. But even like last night, we ran out of time. You know, it's 9.30, and I know – the research about exercising, you know, right before you go to bed. It's not what you should be doing, um, at least a couple hours. But it's like, I need to. So I only had 25, I got 25 minutes in. 
of hard as nails, you know, sweating. 25 million is, is plenty to fail, right? To get to a failure sure. point if you're doing it hard enough. But, you know, most days it's 30 to an hour, somewhere in between there. And But it's a mindset, you know, and I, I know that I enjoy it after the fact. And then I enjoy it the next day. I feel good. And you, listen, there is some to exercise. There's a, there's a benefit of feeling well, just like eating, like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a confidence that it brings that isn't necessarily tied to just feeling good, but about looking good and feeling stronger, mm-hmm. you know, in saying, okay, I'm 45 years old or I will be 45 in two weeks. And you know what? I can go run a couple miles. You know, if I, there's something, and I don't know, I don't know if this is selfish or if this is materialistic sounding because I haven't really analyzed it deeply. You walk around town, you look around, people have given up. A large percentage of the population has just flat, like, I'm out, like, I'm not going to do anything more than I have to do, and I'm going to put so much garbage in my face hole that <laughs> I am like, I'm, I'm going to be my opposite experiment of Brian Helsel. I'm going to see how much bad stuff, what happens to my body. It's easy to see. It's such a fascinating topic. Um, that that specific idea of, is it materialistic? Is it self-centered to want to... Wanna to feel and look, look good. And, um, I, you know, I don't know what the right answer is for that. I mean, I guess that falls into the, 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 the judgmental category of people can decide to judge for themselves. I, I, for one think, and I don't want to get off on this tangent, that the world's too judgmental right now. We've, we've gone over this line where everybody's just judging everybody so much. And, Very and that, true. To, to a point, holding people accountable is, is one thing. And I, and I, and I certainly agree with that, but we're getting to like it, sometimes I I think of things as round. The world's round, right? So if you go depends on who you talk to, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if you go so far right, you'll end up left, and vice versa. Yeah. Right. And so, um, it, it, if 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 you go so far like to, towards being stiff or whatever, you can actually get to where it's it actually it's crazy, right? It's just. I guess my point with that is that when we were kids. There was less bullying awareness, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was less, you know, I, I there was less awareness about whether a teacher or a coach or kid to kid in the hallway or whatever. It just was sort of like you wouldn't even think about telling your parents if you got your head flushed in the toilet by somebody. Like just that's just what happened. So you're right. You know, yeah. go deal with it. I gotta complain to the teacher or the coach. I think it's good that we're that we're really promoting kindness, love and kindness and awareness and hold people accountable and you can't do all this. But you can reach a point where th- anything can get so far that it's just like everybody's acting as God and judges out there. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it can be a little too much. So if somebody, and it, we all kind of gravitate towards a beautiful singer or a movie star or a beautiful person, a girl in the class or a guy, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's basic human nature. So to, to want to take care of yourself, because first of all, if you can't, if, if you're not strong, Adri, as a father and a husband and as a businessman, you can't do. You can't get outside yeah. of that, right? You can't even help. You can't even help your children if you're not healthy. People yep. are going to have to help you. Yep. So, it's just like that. You know, when the, when the plane's going down, you got to put your mask on first. They tell you take care of yourself and then help your passenger because right. if you're otherwise, everybody's a mess. It's just inherently important, I think, to 
to take care of yourself. And then if, if, if looking nice and making a nice presentation generally makes you feel better about yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and if you feel better and you, you give off a better energy, that's, that's all, that's all positive to me. So I, I think that, I think it there's a lot to, to that. The idea of social responsibility, right? You know, I look, I didn't live back there, but you look back and like, I'm making up time frames, right? Fifties or, you know, look back at these old pictures. Most people were thin, you know, they did, they worked hard. They did this, but they, you know, they, they, they get dressed up to go out to the grocery store. Yeah. You know, sure. and I'm not, they, things are lax and I like that too, but there's a difference between wearing jeans and a t-shirt and wearing, you know, your slippers and pajamas. Like, like you couldn't put, you couldn't change out of your pajamas to go to the grocery store. Right, right. Like, my goodness, what is happening here? And I, and people are looking and I've heard people say, well, I don't care about that person. I don't know about that person. I get that on a person, but as a societal level, we should care about each other. You know, and we should say, okay, there's a lot of baloney going on, uh, you know, a lot of strange talk, a lot of changing of our, of our language to fit certain molds, right? People right. are saying, you can't say this, you can't say that. I just had a conversation. You actually made a really great point about the world being round and you can go so far right that you become left. And uh, I was talking to our, my friend and, uh, and she said, I don't know that we think alike. And I said, well, why do you say that? She goes, I think I'm more li liberal than you think. And I said, well, I bet you I'm, le I'm more liberal than you think. She said, I don't think that's true. And I said, well, I said, okay, here's the one caveat. I'm not sure I'm more liberal than what liberal means today. Right. Because liberal has gone so far right or so far left that it's now becoming right. Because to me, if you're liberal, that it, the way I always understood it growing up is a liberal person really wants everybody to be free. Right, Brian, you should have the right to be you, whatever that means to mm -hmm. you. Your quirkiness, people can judge you. It doesn't matter. Be who you are. Right. Freedom of speech, freedom of choice. Right. All these freedoms that I always thought were liberal ideas. Yes. Are not liberal ideas anymore. No. They've no. gone completely opposite. Right now, it seems like the liberal idea is is suppression speech. Right. Do what I say, not what I. You know, you need to do what I say, not what you think you want to do. Right. And that's not, it's never been a liberal standpoint. Um, whereas now the right, you know, I mean, so I look and I say, okay, I'm probably very centrist, but I'm liberal for humanity, right? I want everybody to be happy. Sure. You know, I want people to be, I don't care what color, creed, sex you want to be, what, just be happy. Absolutely. Um, now, if we want to talk about conservative, well, yeah, government fiscal monetary policy, I'm much more conservative on that side. Right. Right? Because that rate of taxation is unbelievable. And what is our government is not good stewards of our money. No. Right? They're taking more and more and they're they're spending it like lunatics. So yeah, we need to reel all that in and hold them accountable. We should not be looking to our government to help us do anything. Except for I like some regulations, not over regulations, but reasonable regulations. Right. Right. Environmental regulations. A lot of those things make some sense. Regulations on businesses from uh, exploit, exploiting smaller businesses. Right. You, you, they're, they're, 
There needs to be uh, regulations against that. You sh shouldn't be – our government should not be funded by large corporations in the most part. It's unbelievable to me that – and people go, oh, well, what are we going to do to stop it? I don't know. I don't have the answers. But if we come together, they work for us, man. You know, what are we all doing? We're sitting back and they're going, well, okay, we can't beat them, so let's take some money from them. They keep handing me money. I'm fine with that, whatever they do. Yet, we got that starving kid down there. Yeah, I know, but there's starving people from, from you know, South America that are coming. We need to save those people, but don't look over here. It's unbelievable to me. I, I want to save the people that are starving everywhere as well, but we can't do it until we get our own house Settled. Yes, absolutely. That and, and that's the fundamentals I learned growing up in, in business. Growing up in my business career, absolutely. Was always he would say, "We got to take care of our house, meaning our business. We have got to yep. make sure we're strong on our accounting and our and, and we're you know we're doing our contracts right and our administration and we're making the right the checking credit terms and you got to make sure your your house is in order in every part of your life." And I agree too. I mean, I. I I want to help the people directly around me first mm -hmm. before I can get any further than that. And I think if everybody focuses on that, and that, you look at, doesn't matter the race or the income level, the people that struggle don't have good family life, right? They don't have they don't have a strong home, they don't have a strong house, they don't yep. have a, they don't have a strong mother and father. They don't have strong direction. They strong don't have support. Yep. Exactly. That's and a we all big need weakness. Support. We do. And to get back into the the the, the, the political comments you made, which I couldn't agree more with everything you said, actually, um, which is rare for anybody to agree that much. <laughs> but I consider myself open-minded, and by definition of what I thought was liberal years ago meant open-minded, understanding everyone's viewpoint and saying, well, you might not agree with me, or I might not agree with you, but I can appreciate your perspective, and I want to learn more about your perspective, and I understand why you think that, and why this person thinks that. And I think what's considered liberal or maybe progressive, I guess they call it today, right. is this is the way it has to be. We're going to do, do it this way. You're going yeah. to you're gonna have to get this. You're going to have to, like, you know, I don't want to bring up vaccines. And all. You have to do this. You have to do that. No, wait a second. Why does, it, why does it have to be political? I mean, for example, I got the vaccine. Okay? Yeah. Um, I got the vaccine because my kids were going to get the vaccine because, because of their life in school. Like, it just made sense. Mm -hmm. And I felt the need to do it. I heard Dr. Fauci say publicly a year and a half ago, when a previous, you know, when, when the previous regime was in the office, well, we're not going to have this for several years because there's a whole process that takes place. We don't just fast track vaccines. You have to go through a process. So anybody who chooses to not want to get a vaccine for whatever reason that is, might be just because they think I need to know more data about this before I trust it. That's rational in a That's free society. Absolutely rational. But I'm not supposed to be allowed to say that. Well, guess what? I'm saying it, and maybe a billion people are going to hear me, and I don't have a problem with that. Right. Because that's freedom of speech. Okay. And that's what this country was founded on, and that's that's what I believe in. And so the people who don't get it shouldn't be judged as being insensitive and they're reckless to the community because they won't get it. If somebody wants to have the opinion that should get vaccinated, I, they're allowed to have that opinion too. But I don't think we should get to where people say you have to do this, you have to do that. Um, that that to me, that's not liberal open mindedness. Like it there are there are there are other a, ways to look at things. You it's know, a, it's a fascist way of thinking, and it's very troublesome to me. I don't know how big that. I mean, I think there, it's very loud because of social media. Um, I don't know how big that sect of the population actually is. I don't know. I mean, I literally 
not saying that I don't know how big that, um, but people need, you know, I got vaccinated as well, but I didn't, you know, I did a lot of research. I ha- I still have concerns about being vaccinated. My son was vaccinated. My daughter is still too young to be vaccinated, I think. Uh, but there's certainly a concern. Of course, anything, anytime, even a flu shot. I'm concerned about flu. I'm, listen, my son was born in San Diego. An hour, maybe two after he's born, they come with a big needle full of vac- vac- vaccines. I, and I stood there in front of him. I said, no way. You're, they're, they're, I could not get my head wrapped around a two-hour-old baby being injected full of stuff. I said, let him, I'm not against vaccines at all, but this doesn't make any sense. It, so like, no. let me take him home. Let him grow a little bit. Yeah. Get him adapted develop. to the world. Get him, yeah. Let him yeah. breathe the fresh air. Let him get a little dirty. Let him get some you know, bacteria and stuff that his body can learn to you know, fight from an immune system. That's what our immune system does. And then we went, but it was, it was like they were telling, like I was out of my mind and I would not let him get it. So a few months went by and then we we were on an alternative, uh, alternative um, vaccine schedule. And, but he was vaccinated for school and all that. And we did that, but let's go. And everybody else, a lot of other people always say, hey, yeah, give the kid the two hour old a vaccine because obviously that's the protocol. Um, and that's fine if you want to do that, but like, it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm not saying no vaccine. I'm saying, uh, I need more data here. You know, what, what's really going on? And that seems very rational from a scientific standpoint. You know, the, one of the things that's driving me crazy and you, I mean, you're quasi scientist in a way because of your food and right. I, I'm not a scientist at all, but I do a lot of what I would consider research, you know, um, I don't just read articles. I don't, you know, if mm-hmm. an article doesn't have an re- actual research paper that I can read, scientific paper, it gets thrown in the garbage, right? It doesn't, um, I'm not a scientist, but I can, I know how to read scientific papers. And sometimes there are things that go over my head, but I can research those, right? And I, I can learn as I'm doing this. Um, and my point was um, that we should all look for a comment. Oh, my, my point was actually this. The um, people are saying follow the science. And anytime somebody tells, says that to me, I'm like, don't just stop talking because you can't say follow the science. Science is about disproving science. Exactly. That's, it, so, it, what are you right. saying? Like, just because yeah. somebody says, here's a hypothesis or here's what our, this test you know, that we did shows. Well, there's got to be the follow-up and the peer reviews to disprove what you're doing. Now, if you can't disprove it, okay, now we move on to the next, and we keep continuously trying to disprove science. We do it today with this theory of relativity. You're still trying to disprove the theory of relativity. Sure. Right? And that's yeah. what science is about. And there are very few scientific hypotheses that become really a scientific fact, right? There, there aren't that many in the world of scientific hypothesis and theories. Um, so when you say follow the science, you have to understand that you're making yourself sound really dumb. I, I see it that way. I mean, it, 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 it seems like that's become like a, a, a catchphrase. A mantra. To, to, yeah, a mantra for people to support whatever their viewpoint is. Because right. there's many other things that we could bring up right now that could disprove that somebody is following the science about, like, for example, when life starts. Right. You know, like, you know, when... Does everybody follow the science there? I mean, 
you make a great point with that, with the, with the science. And I, and I think that's, again, that's, that's that whole, like, go so far right, you go left, or go so far left in this that. case, yeah. that yeah. you end up right. And yeah. I think, I, I'm concerned that what was, I always thought it was healthy to have, like, and I kind of found myself gravitating more into open-minded and what liberal was in the 80s. Yes. As I got older, I mean, like, you know, well. like, yeah. just open-mindedness towards everything. And then I find myself like, wait, where all the people that I thought... They've gone over here, and, and they're like, you have to do it this way, and that's you know, it doesn't it, it it doesn't agree with this viewpoint now, so that's wrong. This is the way it has to be. I mean, you talk about um, people talk about global warming. I've tried to follow the science on that. Me too. We've had ice ages. We've had we've had periods where the, the, the Earth thaws. I mean, yeah. we've had all the. I mean, I, in the eighties, it was the ozone's going to de- yes, deteriorate, the and we're going to we're going we're going to burn up. I mean. Uh, there's you know, a huge hole in the ozone layer. Yeah. We're all gonna die. <laughs> and before that, there was there was global cooling. You know, the thought that yeah. you know. So, I, I'm I'm not saying, I'm not saying I know ex- that I'm know exactly what's happening. I'm just saying to your point, science is ever changing. We're constantly researching, and I'm not sure that's the whole point of science is that you can't say, well, here's the fact today, and that's the way it's always going to be, and we have to do this. That isn't following the science. That is not following the science yeah. um, at all. Yeah, that, that's. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's become a wild world. There's so many so many topics that we can get. On. We're we're almost two hours, man. Are you no way really? Yeah, time flies, okay. right? Yeah. Well, I I I, I did I did want to. Uh, I brought something. What? Do, oh, yeah, I brought something, and this is I, I meant to bring a nicer photo than this, but <laughs> last minute, typical. I you know tons of balls in the air, and so I brought this photo of us, and I wrote ah, the date on that. If you champions. see you see the you see the date on the back of that. January twenty eighth, two thousand seventeen. Was that the day? Uh, that was the day that, that you you and I were coaching a recreational basketball team in Fox Chapel, and our sons. This was, it was the, fourth grade. That was fourth grade. The, okay, yeah. seventeen. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, the uh, was this the this was the tournament. This was the three on three three tournament. on three tournament. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. We I won. remember that. And and, and uh, the thing I love about sports, I love so many things about sports. But it how it brings people together, yeah. you know. It brought it brought us together. It did. You know, it was we, such we, a we, fun time. It was such a great time yeah. coaching our coaching our, our kids together and and the friendship and the camaraderie of that. And every team is special. Every season is unique. That team is that was. I think about that team in that season often. That you know, we we won a, the kids won a lot of games. We had so much fun. Yeah, we had we had parties and movie yeah. nights and. Um, but that three on three, we walked into the gym that day. We certainly weren't the favorites, and we, we weren't up. the favorites. We took it. We had a little. I, what I remember, we had a little line change up, Get big and little. Remember, we had there are two biggest kids versus the other team. We're going, and then we switched it up, and we put one of the little kids to steal the ball. Kept stealing the ball. Yes, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun because we were like, oh man, we you know, and then the next year they cheated us. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, 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 We had a target on our back, and they did not play I, I, legally. It was a fair game, followed the rules, but it was shady. And right, and we did last year. We got a bunch of the kids together, Kellen and Brody together, and it was our, probably our last year of rec together. Um, and we, we and did. we and we and we remember we won. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we we beat yeah. that same team. That same team. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So they could do a thirty for thirty ESPN story on that whole. <laughs> that, so awesome. But that's the beauty of it. You know, you end up, you know, you end up sort of appreciating, and respecting those people. And I love the the beauty of sports too. Your opponent that you're just trying to beat so much, you end up, 
you end up loving and respecting them too. Yeah. And I, I love to see that in some you of the see documentary the wedding, And you see the kids. Man, here's one thing I can, if you're a new father or new mother out there, if you're listening, again, nobody's listening. So, but if you are, go to, if your kids are in sports or if they, whatever they're into, go to everyone you can. If you have to cancel uh, an, import, uh, an appointment, cancel it. Get to the game. You know, like everyone that you can possibly, actually, if I remember, I talked to you about this one time, and it has impacted me. Um, we're talking about being at games, and this is, you probably don't remember this. And you said to me, he, my grandfather, I think it was your grandfather, yeah, yeah. was at every game. And I remember being able to look over. He never, and, I, and the way I remember, and I could be totally wrong, was that he didn't really sit with the fans, but he kind of always sat, stood on the side, like stood off to the sure, side. Yeah. And you could, and, and I'm like, that is so powerful. From now you're 40, whatever you are, seven, 47. Yeah. And to remember that and how important that is. And that was one of the driving forces that I'm like, I've missed a few of my son's games. Like I've probably been to 97% oh, since bet. he was yeah. like three when he started. He's yeah. now 14. Um, but you see, sometimes you just can't. Um, but to be at that game, it's important. I mean, it's so much fun for us, but I think it's so important for those kids to ultimately, and that had stuck with me, still probably stick with me forever. Just the impact that it has to have that support is is important. That's and it's a huge lesson that I learned. Well, thanks for thanks for saying all that and everything you said. And I, my my grandfather drove from Johnstown to every game I played at all over Western Pennsylvania, and wore a suit and tie and a top hat. Speaking of putting a good presentation. And I, I would see him before I'd go on the field. He always stand like wherever we had to, whatever whether it was a tunnel or a passageway, and he'd yeah. always make eye contact. And you know, that's so it awesome. Just, it just it just fired me up knowing that he was there. And my dad, of course, and my yeah. mom were at all the games. But you're right; it's so impactful to be, whether it's a sporting event or a piano recital or violin, what what or act whatever your kids are doing when you're there to support them. It gets back to the time and the. And they There's may not, more you, you know, and I don't know how your kids are because our kids are the same age. I don't know how they are right now. Like mine's in a grunting phase. And it's <laughs> like, hey, buddy, how you doing? <laughs> I'm going, oh, really? That's so exciting. Tell me more. <laughs> don't talk to me. But I hope that, you know, in there somewhere in this adolescent angry, he's not angry, but this twisting of chemicals and emotions that are going on in these kids, like, I do hope that that stays core when they get older to be like, you know, well, that's something I need to do if I have children. You know, one thing that I remember is my father came to every game and I need to do that same thing because it's just, I think it's really important. Support your kids, support your community, support your, support your kids, support your household, support your neighbors, support your community, and then branch out and support as many people as you can. I, I, I love that that message and I love that fundamental structure and that, boy that would be a great mantra for for our country for our country for our country to say fantastic. you know build it build it from the inside outward yeah. with commitment and love and kindness absolutely and wow and would, would we conquer so many things we would and it has to start here and then once we get our country if when the last child is done starving then we go keep radiating outwards, right? Absolutely. We can't fix them until we fix ourselves, right? I'm sorry, like, that's unfortunate. You'd love to just be like, let's fix the whole world at once. Unfortunately, it's not ever going to happen. 
at least in the way our political systems are set up. But we can fix ourselves, and we got to hold our government responsible for that. I don't know how to do that because nobody seems to care. But if we could all get together, we have a lot more power than they do. Um, anyway, one, one thing I don't know if it's one thing that I would say about the politics. I think we should have more political parties than two. Oh, I was just talking that about with, with my last guest, who you you know, um, with Steve Stallings. Yeah. Stallings. Um, yeah, I don't. I, for one, I I agree. We should have more political or. Certainly, get away with the two, get away from the two-party system. Have no parties. I also don't think the president should be able to be a politician. If you're a career politician, presidency, in Congress, whatever, yeah, presidency should not be on the on the docket. Should be somebody that has military service, and then whatever else you know that, and they have to be accountable. Um, I also am not convinced that a singular singular president figure is the right way to go. You know, having a multiple, I don't know. I haven't really, but the way it's working now isn't, isn't going, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's where anybody wants to be. No, most e- people. either side, no, no matter who, whether the Republican, Democrat, who you look back at, I don't think the system's working. And, I, and somebody was mentioning this because if somebody votes Republican, you could take five different people and they might have five different reasons they voted for Republicans. Same thing with the Democratic Party. I think that's so, it's, it, it, it's so uh, eclectic with, with, with the viewpoints. If we had more parties and more candidates in the general election, we might end up with a, with a better result. We, I mean, and better look, candidates, you too. You look at our last election and come on. Like, you got Trump. And some people love Trump. And, and I, I do understand some of the reasons that people love Trump. And then you have to look at some things and say, okay, there's certainly questions there. I'm not getting on on a Trumpism or not. Um, but then you have the Democratic Party. And the two best, or the best candidate was not the best candidate, right? The person who became the front runner in the Democratic Party was not the best candidate for the presidency. I don't care how, I understand why people would vote for Biden, listen, I'd love to have a beer with Biden. I'd love to sit down and talk to him face-to-face because he's probably a very interesting person, probably a very nice person. But uh, he wasn't the best candidate. And I understand we voted for him, or people voted for him to vote against Trump, but we shouldn't be voting for somebody because they're the best, right, that we that is offered. It's the presidency of the United States. Right. It should be the highest qualified, best people in this country. Yes. And I don't know if we had that from anybody lately. And I, right. And I don't, I don't think our best candidates are running. And I, and I think, I think, and I don't think I, they yeah, can because they yeah. can't make it through the, the, the BS. Right. Because it's because, yeah, because each, each of the two parties picks who they can, who they can, they think can prop up and works yep. best for them and not the best for the country. Right. So I think I agree with you. I think that's, I don't that's know if that's ever going to change, but I hope so. I mean, I hope that yeah. people start to change and look at, because if you talk to most people, no matter what they think that they are, most of us have the same ideals. Not everybody, but most of this country, I believe, have the same ideals. Um, yes, you have people that are going to be hate, hatred, you know, racist people or just controlling people and want to get, you're going to have that, but I think this is a very small amount of the population. But the, the rest of us are like you and me. It's getting up. It's 
what's okay, what do I have to do today? I have a checklist of a hundred things I need to get done and I'm going to go do this. And then there's a soccer game or there's a basketball game and there's what's for dinner. And then, okay, get the kids. Did you brush your teeth? Did you go, go brush your teeth. Come yeah, on now. Yeah. And your day's over and you're going, holy smokes, it's a whirlwind. I don't have time to think about that. Like that's just over there, but we need to get together and go, forget it, man. We're, we're, and I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that, I think we just all need to talk to each other. And the only way I know how to do that right now are these podcasts are fantastic. Not mine. Mine sucks. But no, <laughs> right? I, I, there, there, there's I so many good so. podcasts out there and people that aren't controlled by the FCC or, you know, can't say this, you can't say this, you don't work, you know, you work for this company, you don't work for this, you're not following this set of rules. There's just people out there talking. And if you listen, they all, a lot of them have the same message. And if we can all just do that, that would be interesting. It would be an interesting experiment say, okay, let's all create podcasts and let's all talk. And if we all find out that we're saying the same thing, maybe we can all get together and we can all make change together because you're not going to make a change tweeting. You're not going to make a change on Facebook, putting your thing. You're not going to make a change on doing whatever silly 260, I don't even know how many characters you can have. You know, it's not going to change anything. But talking to each other, talking goes back to that house, street, neighborhood, community, Mm -hmm. you know, get out there and try. I don't know. Well, I'm so glad. Thank, I'm so glad you asked me. And, and I yeah, it was awesome. Time. I just enjoyed the time being with you. It was and, fun, and, right? And, and, and it goes fast, but it's fun. And I'm, it's so fun. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad that we're, that we become friends. Yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah. You're, you're just a beautiful person. Yeah. So you too, Brian, I yeah. appreciate it. And, uh, we can find you on Instagram at what, what is it? Superman foods, Superman foods, check them out. Uh, it's, it's fun. Uh, and man, I'll, I'll be talking to you soon, but we should do this again. I'd love to do it again. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I'll All get right. more quirky next time. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right. See you, everybody. Have fun.